So actually, I, big ADHD moment. I don't know if I told this story last time. Uh, what Do you guys remember me talking last time about the lawyer, my Muppet lawyer? Who gave you up for Lent? Yeah. Did I talk about how he came back? Yeah. No, I... I th- I thought last time we heard about this was you were excited for him to come back. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, he wasn't back yet. Yeah. Okay, so he came back. <laughs> yeah, let's go, Muppet back. Lawyer. Ooh, Muppet Lawyer's back. Kermit, Kermit, Kermit. I saw him. I was like, I literally, I led into it with, oh, so you gave us up for Lent again. And he's like, I've already been scolded. <laughs> and I was like, forgiven by who? And Andrew was like, by me. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on, man. You're not allowed, you weren't even here for it last time, but uh, he was super, he seemed super heartwarmed that we remember his, his, his last habits and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. So heartwarmed that one of your hyper regulars, you remember, oh yeah, that's right. He pulled this move last time too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the fact that everyone else brought it up to him, but I'm the only one who knew that it happened last time because I was here for it. Mm. I wasn't even the person to get to him first. Everyone else already had yelled at him. (laughs) (laughs) So by the time it got to me, I just like gave him a disappointed look and he's like, I know. I'm like, well, I can't rag. You guys took away all the fun. I can't rag on him if you guys already have done yeah, it. Yeah, really. But it was bold of him to assume that just because one of us had forgiven him, that counted for all of us. God, no. Yeah, that's just, that's absurd of him, really. Honestly. But yeah, he's back. I haven't seen him again since, but I figure that's just because we're um, like chips in the night, which <laughs> happens with a lot of regulars. I have so many. I got my hours reduced, which is really nice, but I have a lot of regulars come in and be like, oh my god, I feel like I never see you anymore. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's because you don't come in on the weekends. And that's what I'm here, losers. <laughs> god, me, people every day. are hyper-regulars at work with me. They're like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. I'm just like, I've seen you. <laughs> I don't know how you miss me, but I see you every day. <laughs> But instead, I'm like, oh, yeah, they got me working different shifts. No. (laughs) No. No. You just didn't notice me because you don't actually care. And that's okay. You don't have to (laughs) pretend to care. Oh, right. Yeah. Just just a customer. Like, uh. (laughs) No, we're buddies, actually. Oh. Best friends. It's one of your actual friends who just happens to also come into your work all the time. Back to when I work at Home Depot, I legitimately made some friends who were customers. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Wow. This was I don't know why, but that when. feels like it does make sense. Yeah. Only because it's Home Depot specifically, I think. There's just something homey about homey home. about the, the Home Depot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason they don't just call it the House Depot. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Turn this House Depot into a Home Depot. I see. I see. I see. Yes, exactly. I don't have any any customers right now that I feel like were customers before they were friends. Um, I have some that are getting there, like some that I see outside of work, but, uh, yeah, maybe some that are a little over familiar Mm -hmm. outside of work. Yeah. Um, but most of them are, are like, I'm just really happy to see them when they show up. And if I saw them and I did have that, that kid see me in Wegmans one time and he was like, you shop here. And I, this kid's six. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah. 
He's like, why aren't you at work? And I'm like, because we're it's like 6 p.m. <laughs> we are closed. What do you mean? Don't you just live there, though? Like That's literally the tone like, he said it with. It's like when kids see their teachers out in the yeah. real world. They're like, you're not supposed to be here. Yeah, this isn't this isn't where you're supposed this to be. Is, this is for me. This is my yeah. grocery store. This is for regular Literal. people, not... <laughs> I can't believe you actually broke his tiny little six-year-old brain already. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! You know what? Like, the other he day. had the veil like the uh, shattered. Shattered. shattered yeah. yeah. How do you shatter a veil? He, he came you in. Freeze it first, I guess. Yeah, you you freeze it okay, first, yeah. and then you smack it on something hard. Yeah. He came in, and this kid, uh, his dad paid with a gift card. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh, you have thirty four dollars left on your gift card, and the kid goes, "Did I ask?" <laughs> and his dad Did you not want to know, buddy? Like <laughs> his. His dad says, and I quote, dude, you can be funny without being rude. Nice. <laughs> Good dad I had to, I, That was uh, one of those where I like laughed and then I immediately was like, I had to like turn the laugh into something mean. Right, yeah. And be like. You can't just laugh. True. We're stop recording. Or you guys don't have to, but we have to. Oh, embarrassing. Oh, no. Major L. Ooh, at least. <laughs> I noticed before we got into the good part. That's true. We'll have a slightly quiet Nina for the quick intro. For the part, the part where, where I'm only Nina was talking. Time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for that part. I'll, yeah. I'll be able then to we come back that. in I'll I'll real hard and part. strong. Yeah. With you all got some ghouls to gab? Because I got some ghouls to gab. I, I, you, I got ghouls. Why don't you gab us a ghoul? I'm gonna I'm gonna gab you a pair of ghouls. Cause while I actually watched some good movies last week, uh, over the last two weeks, I guess I should say. I watched two bad ones, and I, I want to talk about them. Oh, more. I want to hear about those. Y'all ever yet. watched? Y'all ever see the Hitman movies? No, no, God, God no. they're bad. I saw you yeah, about really this one. That's why I haven't seen them. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they would be good. So I decided to watch the first one because I'm like, how bad could it be? How sure. bad could bad be? I like the Hitman games. What year? Let's check it out. What year did this come out? 2007. Oh, it could be bad. It could be really bad. Oh, it, it, <laughs> yeah. You got no idea. It's I give it a 3 out of 10. Damn. Real bad. Okay. Every not a single scene had a connecting line. It was just things kept happening and it just kept going and I'm like, "Wow, this sucks." Wow. There's a point, let me pull up my review cuz I I quoted it at this uh at one spot. Um oh, okay. Um Agent 47 is cornered by four other agents who are sent to kill him, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. And they're all looking at each other. And he looks around. He's like, they're all pointing their guns. And he's like, how about dying with a little dignity? And everyone looks around silently and nods. Everyone unloads their guns and sets them down and pull out each of them. Have two matching, like, wakazashis oh tucked <laughs> in their suits. <laughs> and now you have a four or five way sword fight uh, okay in yeah. a subway yeah this sounds uh, like so it fucks, anyway, that i thought cool. you said this movie was bad uh that's the only good part of the movie oh um oh there's a cool part where he assassinates a um a russian head of state who is actively trying to do better things for the country he's impersonating the old head of state who he had killed he had plastic surgery to look just like the guy oh my god and he's like, I was going to do good things for this country. Don't Doesn't that mean anything to you? And 47 is like, no, and kills him because he cut a deal with the CIA. And this is the triumphant end of the movie. 
The triumphant end of the it's, movie is the main character cutting a deal with the CIA. It's absolutely Jesus insane. Jesus Christ. But what is this? Hulu the has this fun feature. You may remember this. Oh my God. <laughs> you may remember this fun Hulu feature from my last Ghouls I Gabbed, where Hulu will play a movie after your last movie you watch. Yeah, they'll just automatically. throw you something. Yeah. Well, it, this time it threw me Hitman Agent 47, which is the. The next one. The next one. Or. This one was released in 2015. A reattempt. 2015. It, it's. It's definitely like a reboot. Yeah. Um. We. Th- this one is rated lower, and I don't know why, because it is really so much better. Oh. And Nina came in for half of this one. I did. I saw the last half. And. And. It. It was. I'm sure Nina would say, "Yeah, that wasn't great." It wasn't. It wasn't great. It felt like a. Um. It was it felt like a mix between like the Jason Bourne movies and what someone who's never seen John Wick thinks John Wick is like. Yeah. Oh, no. But because John Wick is exactly <laughs> what you expect it to be. <laughs> it, it really is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't. But without Keanu Reeves. Right. Is it anything? Right. I really yeah. can't stress enough how much better this movie is, though, than the original. And I don't know why it's so canned versus the original. Well, I just think, there was precedent for it sucking, right? I think it's because Timothy Oliphant's in the uh, first one mm. and people like him. Do people like him? People kind of like him. But uh, the nice okay. thing about the sequel is instead of having um, Hitman be our main character, uh-huh. he's not our protagonist. He is. He's our tertiary protagonist. Sure. <laughs> He's uh, but he's not list. our main guy. <laughs> okay. There's um there's Girl Hitman is our main protagonist. We don't know she's Girl Hitman at first. That's a spoiler. <gasps> but um and I think I'm going to be brave and say I think that might be why people hate it so much is because well, right, yeah. they just kind of messed around with the Hitman lore because it doesn't matter. But whatever. And it's it's dumb fun. Hitman's a side character so he gets to actually be this like kind of um, intimidating force of death rather than guy who doesn't do things that Agent 47 would do and does do things he wouldn't do through the whole movie, Ugh. like in uh, Hitman 2007. Right, right. No consistency of character in that one. Very, whereas in uh, 2015, he actually just kind of shoots shit. It's fun. Okay. I like, and it's kind of like... Um, the beginning is literally exactly like the Hulk movie that is part of the mainline MCU versus the Hulk movie that is not part of mainline MCU. You know how that starts and it's like, here's news clippings. Here's a plot thing oh, yeah. that catch us all up. You know, mm-hmm. the classic, classic 2000 um, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Except this was in 2015. You know what? I'm okay I with it. I do feel like a 2000s movie. Okay with it. it felt like a 2000s movie. I got jump scared by Zachary Quinto. Oh, he, yeah. He was in there. <laughs> uh, except... He he gives like probably the worst performance of his life. It's, oh no! It's like someone said, you know how you acted when you were Spock and you had a reason to just like stone face the whole thing, and he's like, yeah, and they're like, do it again, but like not for a reason. <laughs> There's no reason for you to do it. Damn. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. Oh oh, this is really funny. So we're watching it, and the plot starts to happen, and like one of the characters, they're like manufactured or whatever, and one of them, someone says to Zachary Quinto, "You will never be like Agent Forty Seven. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is just like X Men Origins Wolverine." <laughs> when when no no no, hear me out. This is just like an X Men Origins Wolverine when they're like to Sabretooth, they're like, "We can't put adamantium on your skeleton; it would kill you." Logan's the only one who can do that. Guess fucking what? This movie was written by the guy who wrote Exodus Origins Wolverine. Hugh Jackman. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so we look into it, and 
He's written a slew of awful movies, oh, no. including the other Hitman movie. Oh, and then suddenly everything slots into place. Yeah, he's the only carryover between the two movies. It's very funny. Why would they hire everything... the same guy to write it? I think he, as one of the producers, I think that's, I th you know. You oh, know? This is the only guy making Hitman movies happen is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Luckily, he stopped and hasn't done another. Unluckily... We're due for another if the timeline is uh, yeah. consistent. It's been eight Coming years. Coming up on it, yeah. And one could drop any time now. <laughs> <laughs> any moment. But yeah, no. Um, you realize that and suddenly all the shit dialogue is like, oh my God, it's just it like, an X -Men exactly like X-Men Origins Wolverine. It sounds exactly like X-Men Origins Wolverine. Even the evil scientist is almost exactly the same. The plot point of, oh yeah, there's a titanium alloy weave that is injected as a liquid under their skin. That's why that guy's bulletproof no. and Agent 47 isn't. Oh, my God. I shit you not. Zachary Quinto is bulletproof because he has a titanium alloy weave. No part of that injected makes any under sense. His skin. How do you inject a fucking weave? I cannot comprehend it. A liquid it. cannot physically be a weave. Mm-mm. There's no physical no. way for that to... Anyway. What the fuck? It, the, the reason... I I am a defender of X-Men Origins Wolverine. I think it's camp. I love it's it fun. dearly. It is. It's fun. Yeah. Um, but this movie lacks all of the charm because it doesn't have Hugh Jackman. It doesn't have Will I Am for some reason. Uh, a fun addition there. <laughs> it doesn't have Ryan Reynolds as his debut as Deadpool. Yeah. Like, it doesn't even have Dominic Monaghan, the... I assume. It doesn't it even doesn't have, have Dominic, Dominic Monaghan either. <laughs> And I love Dominic Monaghan He's, so yeah, much. I like so. him every time I see him. Yeah. So, or Lee Schreiber as fucking Sabretooth. Like, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that Origins has going for it. it. Does, a star-studded yeah. cast for a uh, very middling movie. Very middling movie. That's why it's and camp. And one of my favorite movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, speaking of camp, uh, I have a ghoul to gab. Yeah, let's go. Um, you guys may know from things that I have said on this podcast that I don't really like Sam Raimi all that much. Yeah. What? Um, yeah. I do recall that. I remember, I remember this. Yeah, you were just and like, Spider-Man 2 is the worst saying, movie I've ever seen. I remember you saying that. <laughs> yeah, I did say that. I didn't say that. Um, well, you may recall that I said something to the tune of, I bet if I watched the Evil Dead movies, I would kind of get it because I feel like those are the Sam Raimi movies where he just kind of gets to do whatever and he's right. not working with like a previously established like IP. I was so right. Oh my god! Yep. I yep. loved Evil Dead too. It's um, so I love great, it. right? <laughs> it's so fun. I had a, so much fun just letting it happen to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, fell in love with Ash almost immediately. Um, what an asshole! He hits I it adore good him. early on in that one. He takes like time to really get into the character in the first movie, but in the second one, it. he just comes in, and you're like, "Oh yeah, this dumbass is I'm really like, yeah, going this, for it." I love him. He's just yeah. doing what he can, and oftentimes that's not a lot. Nope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I really, really enjoyed that one. I don't have much to say about it because I need to watch Army of Darkness. I, this is like how good it got me. Now I'm gonna. I'm like looking forward to Army of Darkness. That's like next on my list, and um, I want to watch Ash vs. Evil Dead. Right. I'm, I'm like really pumped. It's got me. It's got its hooks in me. Oh, yeah. Um on on the other hand, we also watched Evil Dead 2013. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you feel about that one? I'm okay on it. Okay. This is one of those things where I told Noah I knew Cabin in the Woods was parodying all of horror, but I also knew that it was primarily parodying Evil Dead. 
that was like the like pretty much what I knew of Evil Dead is like I have seen Cabin in the Woods, which means I have seen parts of Evil Dead. Um, Uh, And I was right when we watched Evil Dead 2. But with this one, it does everything that Cabin in the Woods did, but it does it with a straight face Mm. the whole way through. Yeah, kind of. And... I just didn't like, I didn't like the inciting incident. I thought it was really forced. I thought even with the characters that they had already established, there were ways to get that ball rolling that wouldn't have been as like, obviously like no one would do this. Um, I really liked a lot of the visuals. I really liked a lot of the acting and the gore. I really liked a lot of the special effects, Um, but it was just the characters were so unlikable. Yeah, I like it was really hard. I think part of it was coming directly out of Evil Dead 2 where you have Ash, right. who is yeah. such just like super charismatic. Such a lead. He's really going for anything that he's doing. Mm-hmm. There's nobody like that to, in 2013. No, like Ash is so well characterized as a himbo that like when he turns on the tape recorder on the desk and just listens to a reading this ancient incantation out mm-hmm. like all the way through. I'm like, yeah, he would do that. Yeah. Evil Dead 2013 asked me to believe that someone who is a history teacher would read out loud something that they don't, there's no one in the room with them. They don't have to read it out loud. And the book says, do not read this shit out loud. And they do it anyway. Uh, So I would like to share a moment that I had when I watched uh, Evil Dead 2013, where I tweeted out. I don't remember it exactly, but I was like, you expect me to believe a white man will pronounce an ancient dead language well enough to summon an evil spirit? Yeah. Well, to you, I say what I said to Nina. He is a history teacher. But that's part of the reason I think he wouldn't. That's part of the reason I think he wouldn't. And also, I've had history teachers who would go really hard on the pronunciation of stuff in in like the American history books, mm-hmm. uh, and then just like completely shit on anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they also, know Latin and Latin only. Mm. Did you just say I had to step away from my computer for a moment? But yeah, did you say there are no likable characters in Evil Dead twenty thirteen? I... When the evil spirit <laughs> saying "Come down here so I can suck your dick" is right there. That's true. Okay, she was that right. Was that was very good. That was incredible. That's true. That Favorite was incredible. Character bar none. That was a very <laughs> very <good> powerful. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like Evil Dead 2013 really like embodies all the good points and all the bad points of every single movie that Fed Alvarez has ever directed. Because everything mm-hmm. of his that I have watched, I have had all the same feelings where I'm like, yeah, this had moments that really got me. And I didn't like any of the characters or the story. Remind me again which one it was that you said that he had worked on that we talked uh, about don't before. Don't breathe. Um, oh, God, fuck. Okay, yeah, every time that I rediscover this. <laughs> yeah, that's that's him, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and every time that I talk about him, I end up talking about Alexander Aja, who is a French director that I have the exact same kind of relationship with his, his movies always have these, he's got this great like visual style and it's very similar to Fed Alvarez's style. I think, I think Fed, Fed Alvarez probably has watched a lot of Alexander Aja movies and probably really liked them because they have a very similar visual style to my eye, but like every single movie of his has the same set of problems. It's like, it's got cool moments. It's got cool visual shit. It does not have cooler, likable characters or cool and likable story. I can't, mm-hmm. I, I just, I can't get into them. Yeah. Yeah. But they're a good time. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. 
Speaking of a good time, can I gab a ghoul? Let's go. Oh, yes, ghoul please gab a ghoul. That, ghoul that gab. So I've been known in the past for gabbing ghouls that aren't actually ghouls, being that I have gabbed plenty of non-horror movies. Oh, sure. Um, and I'm about to gab a ghoul that many people would not expect to be in a horror movie, but I think kind of is. Oh. Um, Today, I went and saw the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Oh, Ooh. my God. Me, I saw it, too, so I can weigh in on this. Yeah. Bar none, I think it is the most horrific entry in the MCU, has a Easily. lot of body horror, and was really fucking good. Um, it, it was. It is possibly my favorite MCU movie. Um, it rounded off the trilogy so nicely. So well. I cried so fucking much. I cried so much. It's <laughs> so good. It's really ridiculous. Like, obviously going in, know that it's a James Gunn movie. It's really, like, wild and It comedic. takes a second to get going, but once it gets going, it does not stop. It's I so think they good. really... They're like, we have a we have a framing device that we need you to buy into. So we're just going to jump into that framing device. Mm, yeah. But once they do that, everything works really well. But the body horror, I think. So this kind of leans into something I've talked about with writing horror before. One of the best ways to get horror to work is to borderline not acknowledge it, to yeah. just like Ooh. put it into a scenario. And this body horror is happening and it's so like gut-wrenchingly painful and horrific to watch yeah. because the characters don't know how horrific their situation is. Ooh. And we as the audience are seeing these like innocent characters going through this shit with this optimism and it hurts It's so fucking crushing. Bad. It is God. absolutely devastating. I... I was not expecting them to go as hard as they did, but they did not hold back on they any went, of the imagery or anything. They went dark. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it was fucking so dark. good. Yeah. I Big really fan. liked it. Big fan. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say Multiverse of Madness tried so hard to be a horror only for James Gunn to just like <laughs> run away with it yeah, without advertising totally. any of that shit. Oh my God. James Gunn is just a really good director, especially when he's allowed to do his like, I want to be a little goofy and also a little serious thing. Yeah. He's really good at what he does. Yeah. yeah. I like, I enjoy his movies. This is easily the best trilogy in the mcu it every movie is a really solid entry all the characters get their time to shine and then it ends and we might get more with these characters but i was talking to my friend that i went to see it with and i was like even if we do this is where it ends for me hmm. like i'm just yeah. not going to acknowledge any shit that happens yeah. to these characters after this <laughs> i need i'm probably going to message you something while we're doing this podcast recording because okay. I just need I'm to so talk about sorry. it with you. Okay. Um, but yeah, absolutely. It's such a good end to a trilogy. And if you enjoyed the other Guardians movies, highly, highly, highly recommend. Very cool. We got any other uh, ghouls? I've got, I've got one that I think is kind of relevant to today's movie and also relevant to something that I just said a minute ago, actually. so Is it Suspiria? It's not Suspiria. I, I wish I, I need to get to it because having now seen one of Luca Guadagnino's uh, other movies, I'm like very into the fact that he did Suspiria, actually. Um, I Wait, did he do Suspiria? He's the guy who he directed the, the Suspiria remake. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I love Same the dude. Suspiria remake. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, so I I, I kind of took a break from my J-horror thing that I've been doing lately and went back to a, a ton of Giallo movies. Uh, <laughs> and like largely like non-Argento stuff, actually. I got into a bunch of uh, Lucio Fulci stuff, but I'm not talking about that right now. What I'm going to talk about is this movie called um, Knife Plus Heart, or Knife and Heart, however it's supposed to be said. This movie really surprised me. It's a Giallo movie, right? However, it came out in like 2018, I think, mm-hmm. which is an awful lot more recent than most Giallo movies that I've seen. And also, second curveball, it's French. Now, most Giallo movies are Italian. It's a, a predominantly Italian genre, right? And mm-hmm. I... Hence the name, I always well, Yeah, assumed. exactly. And, and, and I specifically am very like... Not into French movies, normally. I have to be in a particular kind of mood to even give one a shot normally, right? But then, in reading the description of this one, I see that it's gay. And I'm like, okay, all right. A gay French giallo movie from 2018? It's set in 1979, and the story centers around a gay porn studio. So basically, I'm like, yeah, I'm in, all right. (laughs) I watched this movie. This thing goes so hard. It is so fucking good. It does everything that I think a Giallo movie ought to do, and it does it in a way that I think is very cool. It's kind of like, it's very Argento-pilled, but everything that it does, it does in a very, like, original kind of way. It's very clear you're supposed to be thinking of that. It's clear that when it does, uh, you know, stuff with its soundtrack that's very, like, Fulci-esque, it's clear that it's doing that on purpose. But then when it plays into the usual sexuality of the giallo genre, it's doing it in a gay way. So it's kind of turning it on its head, but it's also still just playing into it straight. And that's a really neat combination of things to be doing. Also, the story is fun, just as weird as your average Argento story. The soundtrack is by M83, and it's really good. It's it does the like sort of just being a goblin soundtrack thing really well. I Love cannot it. recommend this movie enough. It's really good, and it captures the 1979 feel really well. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, I was super into it. I love that. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Tubi, of course. <laughs> I was just about to ask, <laughs> where uh, did you see I it? I watched it on oh, Shudder, Shutter. actually. Even better, it's in HD on Shudder? Yeah. Yeah. I love I'll, Tubi, I but if I can watch, watch things it. anywhere other than Tubi, I will do that instead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, so down to watch more any gay horror. Um, <laughs> I was about to say more gay horror. I'm like, Nina, where have you been watching gay horror? You dumbass. You haven't. <laughs> oh, I have one more ghoul that, that we, oh. Noah, Jeff, and I can gab. We watched VHS 94. 99. Or we did or 90, watch v- 99. Yeah, yeah, the three of us we all watched watch VHS 99. That shit was fun. I liked it that a lot. That shit it was- fucked so hard. It's hands down the least scary VHS. Yes. And it's hands down the most fun. Yeah, it was really fun. It was absolutely the theme the for the context that we were watching it in, which was just the three of us having been hanging out and watching something to have fun. Yeah. The theme was executed on really well. Yeah. Um, everyone who who was doing it very clearly loved the the like the thing they were parodying or or like kind of like what's the word I'm looking for? Spoofing. Not spoofing, uh, um, but like emulating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the point is, it was really good. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say something specific, but I don't know the word for it. Um, but yeah, no, it was really good. There's all the Embodied. shorts were good. Lampooning. I think uh, lampooning. Mm-hmm. I think all of the 
all the shorts were really good. Um, I didn't have any that I hated. I had one that was kind of meh for me, but it only sure. got meh after like the like one third because there's like a three act story. Yeah. Um, and the first section parodies like those kid game shows that there used to be, and that was so good. Um, that it's like still worth the watch Absolutely. and I liked it a lot. Yeah. It just kind of like started meandering at the midway point and became one of those kind of like films where like the point is that a lot of gross shit's happening. And it was yeah. the most classic VHS. Yeah. yeah, really. Yeah. But the opening was flawless. So 100%. I like literally I, I could not even be bad about it, the rest of it. I'm really um, excited to introduce Nina to VHS 94 soon. Absolutely. But does VHS yes. 94 have Mabel? Because Mabel it does, does not like, have, not Mabel. have <laughs> Mabel. That's a distinct advantage that 99 <laughs> has over 94. Mabel, yeah. There's a lot Mabel in 94 that I really, really liked, though. I'm looking forward to watching 94, and then and then I'm looking forward to being having seen all of the, the VHS movies and being done. <laughs> Until the next one comes out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I feel like it's. And I'm sure it'll be good. Movie. Actually, it's been an upswing, so I'm sure that uh, it'll be good as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, those are that's the last ghoul that I could think of. Does anyone right. else have any other ghouls? No, I say we get into the main body of the episode now. Cool. You motherfuckers! <laughs> you said you were gonna cap Evil Dead Rise, and then you just stonewalled me after Evil Dead. That's fine. We don't have to do it. I was waiting for it. Jeff to do it. I was I waiting for Jeff to do it. You forgot? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, this is so much funnier now. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm sitting here thinking. I, did, I, I forgot. Every time I'm like, Jeff, do you have a gab? Uh, and I'm like, oh, Evil Dead, Evil Dead, Evil Dead. And Jeff's like, like, Gay Giallo movies. Porno. A fucking Marvel oh movie. My God. I'm like, that's so valid. Okay. All right. Sorry. I just had to get that out of my system. Yeah. I'll just I'll edit forward. this so I talk about Evil Dead Rise like right after you're done yeah. talking about Evil Dead. Oh no! Dead, don't and don't then, you fucking dare! Uh, no, yeah, yeah. I can do whatever I want. I do the edit. I control That's this pod. You... Evil Dead Rise is pretty good. Yeah, I saw it too. I I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm surprised I, I didn't you. talk about it before. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah, I saw really it like, like when it came out, about and it. it yeah, really, really great time. Yeah. Pretty creepy. Yeah, super Lots into it. Wild stuff happened in it and yeah. I was a big fan. Felt like it played around with all the the typical like events and themes of your average Evil Dead movie in a new setting without like losing a lot of the like isolation feelings and stuff. I thought it was really cool mm -hmm. how they mm -hmm. how they did that. Mm -hmm. Neat stuff to play around. Yeah. It's really cool. But I don't want to get like too bogged Scream down. I did in that the recently too. But yeah, no no let's not get too bogged down in the details. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> Okay. I can't believe I forgot to talk about it. <laughs> Welcome to Casual Obsession, the horror movie podcast where we talk about horror movies. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. My name's Emma, and with me today is Nina. Hi, I'm Nina. Noah. Hi, I'm Nina. Jeff. Hi, I'm Nina. Cool. Perfect. Incredible. <laughs> well, today we are talking about Bones and All, a movie that came out in 2022, so pretty recently. Um, fun little time. Short synopsis, really quick. 
Uh, it's about cannibalism. <laughs> what? No. Yeah, surprise, surprise. The story follows um, a character named Marin, and she's like an 18-year-old cannibal girl yep. in a world much like our own, but has people who are kind of predisposed to cannibalism, and it's like this ache that they have that they have to quench every once in a while. And so... Her father has kind of taken her and moved her around the United States constantly as she's grown up, trying to flee from her having attacked people or bitten people. And then eventually she does it again, and he's like, I'm done, I can't do this anymore. He leaves. And so it's her venturing out into the world on her own, trying to figure things out. And along the way, she meets some other cannibals. And, you know, it's a real fun time. It's Hell really yeah, it is. interesting. Yeah. Also, the cannibals definitely gave me a similar vibe to the true knot and Dr. Sleep. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, that it's makes sense. because they're all eccentrics. Mm. True. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Noah, could you tell me a little bit about how this movie was critically received? I got so much bad news. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, critically it was received well, right? I think critics have kind of liked it. Critically it was well it received. It on the festival circuit. Oh, yeah. No, the festival circuit loved this. Unfortunately, I the trailers really build this as much a much bloodier slasher-esque movie and not really as heavy romance. As, uh, that's what I thought. It made me... Mm. I, it, it looked like a cannibal romance to me not a not much of a slasher well i th the the vibes i always had gotten off of it was that it was going to be like kind of a, a bloody fight time with a little bit of romance oh. but mm. a lot of like horror uh not i mean it was a, a horror movie of course but more like i saw one trailer we must have seen movie, different so trailers i think because i felt like the trailer I, I saw build this shit perfectly like well i don't know <laughs> Regardless, it killed in the festival circuit, and it really just didn't do well. I mean, um, Jeff, didn't you say it was released the same day as Knives Out? Uh, it was like, the, yeah. it was like the, the same weekend, yeah. Also, Strange yeah, World and, that's like, and Devotion, which I And that's such a shitty about, time but... to release movies in the middle of December around Christmas time. That's not a good time to release something. Yeah. I think this would have done better as a January release. Horror movies tend to do well in January. Yeah, it had but a, then it would have had yeah. to compete with Megan and well, that's Scream. And, Scream. Yeah. and they, it would Wouldn't not have competed well. But regardless, that's not the point. The point is, we got a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 74% on Metacritic, and a 3.7 out of 5 on Letterboxd. And I have so much good news. Oh, good we news. have something from Twitter Brandon for this. Oh. Yes, let's go. Oh, we finally got Twitter Brandon back. Hi, Twitter, Brandon. Brandon how you back. doing? Um, <sighs> and the review was just an animal looking for a home heart emoji. What the fuck? Yeah, okay. That's it. That's the review. You know He's moved away you know from what? giving numbered reviews unless he really thinks it's a 10 out of 10 banger. So I just I have to um, assume what he means on some of his. And, you know, we have that connection. This is you a know? positive like, we're, we're review. Yeah, right sure. I mean, yeah. come on. Oh, there's no way this isn't okay, positive. Yeah. yeah. This is definitely positive, and it definitely makes sense to me in an abstract way. Yeah. Um, 
I before we go to our own ratings, I want to go off on a little rant that I went on before we started recording, and I definitely should have kept it till now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nina, the lower ratings from audiences. I also went on Tumblr while this movie, because you know it's my thing. I do my little Tumblr thing, uh, and there's a lot of like really aesthetic like gift sets and like crops and like song lyrics edited and whatever. Um, but there's also a lot of people talking about how a lot of people didn't like this movie and how they felt like the odd one out for really enjoying it. And honestly, I get it. I get why people didn't like why general audiences wouldn't really have super loved this movie based on like the tone and the level of like intensity of certain scenes and all of this. Um, but what I was saying before we recorded that is that um, it just made me have this realization that I have every once in a while that creative people, um, people who really like to get into like themes and like metaphor and such, um, often create things that are just for other people who think like that. And the and there is another group of people who do not think like that. And sometimes I forget that those there are those two like distinct groups of people. Like there it's a spectrum, obviously. A lot of different people have a lot of different levels of like willingness to get into metaphor. My dad is one of those people who's like not super into that. He was always like, why are you spending so much time thinking about fiction? But like with me Every once in a while, I see something and I'm like, damn, I get this, but I also totally see why other people don't. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard as a creator to kind of recognize when you're making something that like people are going to get and when you're making something that only a few people are, are going to get and like being okay with that. Yeah. And I think this movie was one of those moments for me, like near the end where I was having like a really emotional like time with the themes of the movie and it all coming together and I was like reading stuff on Tumblr talking about the themes and the metaphors and then I had this moment of you know I can imagine someone who went into this movie not knowing what it was going to be like or having any idea where it was going and sitting here with this ending and being like what the fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing some stories online of people being like I took this like hinged date here for like oh, our first date no. to see this movie. Oh no! <laughs> oh. They're like afterwards, we just both left and we never talked again. <laughs> yeah, no surprise there, really. Yeah. 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 What else do you say? It's there? the difference between people who talk about Shape of Water as the fish sex movie and legitimately think it was like weird, gross, and didn't deserve an Oscar, and people who do think it's it's like legitimately like very similar kind of groups. Yeah. But yeah, I feel I I went to see Shape of Water with a date, and he did not talk to me about the movie at all. I waited until the next day when my roommate was home, and I was like, "You have to see this with me because I need to talk to someone about it." Mm -hmm. Um, and I wasn't about to fucking talk about it with my fucking t like fucking Tinder date. So. Yeah, I still haven't seen Shape of Water, and yeah, it's one of my greatest sins. Ooh, guys should see it because it's great. But um, and it's it. a good, it's and it's Del Toro. So that's true. You know. Um, but yeah. Anyway, I've given a long spiel about how I feel about this movie. Yeah. So now I'm gonna give a number rating about how I feel about this movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, and my number rating is a solid eight. I think. Uh, okay. I really, really, really liked this movie. Yeah. I, but I don't think that I, I don't think that it hits certain things that I really look for in movies, which is like a certain level of like um, warmth. This is not a super warm movie, 
I think it's it's like the depth is there and the metaphors are there. I would not call this a shallow movie, but it's right. very awkward and in an in intentional way. Um, and I think that I I just kind of miss that. But that's like that's a that's a me thing, and I think it was super intentional on the on the part of the movie, and I still loved it very very much. So eight out of ten. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Well, no, I'm uh, also sitting with an eight out of ten. Okay, I had a very good time with this movie, but yeah, I don't know it. Very good time. I don't think it's perfect, but it was a lot, a lot sure. of fun. Yeah, it's really interesting, entertaining. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Jeff, what what did you think? Okay, so I actually, when I saw the trailers, I mentioned how I felt like this movie, uh, the trailer that I saw build this movie almost perfectly. Full mm-hmm. disclosure, when I saw the trailer, I was like, I'm not watching that shit because uh. I, number one, I've actually, this is the first thing I ever saw uh, Timothy Chalamet in. I, I oh, didn't yeah. like him because oh. I had never seen him in anything. I'd only seen like pictures of him. And I was just yeah. like, that guy has a funny looking face. And having seen him, <laughs> having seen him move now, he does not have a funny moving face. I actually wrote a note at the moment in this movie that I realized he actually is hot and I was mad about it. Um, <laughs> oh, me no too. No one tweeted. No one tweeted at that moment Limit. as well. Frustrating. I'm so I never mad had that any... Tim Dune turns out he's a good actor in addition to being okay, hot. Okay, see, <laughs> for me, I never had any doubts that he was probably a good actor. I was just like, I, I look at him and I'm like, I don't see why anybody thinks he's hot. Then I watch this movie and I'm like, fuck, I get it. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> see, I I had seen him in Don't Look Up, in which he plays. Um, I was talking to my coworker mm. about this. Um, she is very, very against cannibal movies. So I almost started having a conversation That's what I was with about her about this movie. About. <laughs> and, then, and then I stopped myself. But I was like, oh, it's one of like two movies I've seen Timothy Chalamet in. And she's like, I also don't get it. Haven't seen many movies with him in it does he do the same performance for both characters and i'm like i have to say no just because the scripts were so different Mm. because don't look up is aggressively natural improv dialogue and then this movie is aggressively unnatural stilted dialogue yeah so this movie's italian as all hell it is there is no (laughs) comparison but i do think again like there was a part of me who looked at him and i never thought he was not a good actor but i definitely thought more along the lines of he's probably a good actor Uh, but i'm never gonna watch one of his movies and find out (laughs) yeah and and i was wrong did none of us watch dune no No. i'm going to very soon (laughs) because i want to see the second one in the theater but yeah the second one is like people are like the second one's the exciting one that'll be really good and fun um so i'll watch it yeah Yeah. (laughs) i started to watch the first one and i got like 30 minutes in and it's very slow paced yeah and so i was like i am not long it's like (laughs) three i think But it's the way the book so I was like, I'm not well. in the right headspace to watch this right now. Yeah. I was like, I'm interested. I want to watch, but I need that was yeah to yeah. be in the right headspace. That's and what I has just haven't kept been. me from watching it as well. Is I'm like, I I know it's going to be a lot, and I need to be prepared for that. But yeah, I yeah, get to it. Okay. Anyways, yeah, for sure, you're gonna talk yeah, about I'm the movie. Meandering <laughs> toward my numerical rating here. So yeah, I basically having seen that it's a cannibal romance from the trailer, I was like, well, all right, those are two things that I'm not really interested in because cannibal movies really catch me in a way that I don't normally enjoy. That's why I had such a hard time with Fresh. 
the way I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is a really good movie and I hope I never have to watch it again. Cause like, God, fresh bothered me in a way that most movies do not. Oh my God. Yeah. So this one, I was just kind of like, uh, more cannibal stuff. Great. I don't want to watch that. And then I was like, plus it's a romance. I don't really go in for romances all that much. Usually. Then I sit down. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. Then I, then I sit down <laughs> and I start watching it and I'm like, oh my God, this is great. The whole way through, mm-hmm. like the the whole first like twenty minutes, I'm like, this shit is Italian as hell, and I don't know if I'm thinking that just because I've been watching so many Giallo movies or what. But then I mm-hmm. look it up and I see Luca Guadagnino is uh, an Italian director, and he's the one who made this, and he's also the one who did the Suspiria remake. So I was like, oh, the Argento vibes that I'm picking up are like probably intentional, actually. Intentional, yeah. And from there, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Uh, Trent Reznor did a great job with this score. I kind of fucking love this movie. It was movie. so good. I'm giving yeah. it. This was Trent. This was Trent Reznor yeah, and Atticus yeah, I Ross. I also was going <laughs> to yeah. play it so cool. I was going to play it so cool and pretend I already knew, but I didn't know. No, I didn't know. Yeah, I, I, I went into it and like, like 10 minutes into the movie, I looked it up because I was like, who the hell did this? Because this is so good. I, and then I saw it was I Trent about, Reznor and I was like, yep, that's it. <laughs> Oh man, my my streak continues. I am on such a nine inch nails kick, yeah. so that just kind of adds to it. Thanks, Trent. Yeah, love you. <laughs> Thanks, Fuck Trent. Yeah. We appreciate and I'm going to talk plenty about that later on as well. So to the numbers, I give this shit a nine. It's really fucking good. Yeah. I loved it. Not perfect. Yeah. There's stuff that prevents me from wanting to give it a ten, but I want to give it the most favorable review that I can. I fucking love this movie. Unexpected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so happy. I'm really, really glad. I love now, this. I had this thought as we were building this up because I was just like mm-hmm. interesting, interesting with every uh, review that <laughs> Nina and I gave. And it would be so funny for Emma to just review bomb the shit out of this. <laughs> like I fucking hated this movie. <laughs> I picked this movie because I, I knew like, you all would like it and I hate it. <laughs> no, I so generally speaking, when I pick a movie for the podcast, sometimes I'll watch it beforehand to see if I think it'll be like good for a podcast episode. Um, but a lot of times, especially if it's a newer movie mm. that I've heard good things about, right. I'll just be like, let's do it. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what this fa- fell into. I hadn't seen it before. I'd heard good things about it. And the big reason it kind of fell on my radar was Dead Meat had their like awards show. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Recently, like a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And so I watched that because obviously last year was such a fucking good year for Stacked horror. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to see kind of like what all they said about it and what decisions they made. And particularly, I mean, this movie came up a few times, but particularly uh, Mark Rylance who plays Soli, yep. was yeah. nominated for a bunch of awards, and I think won some, too. He won at least um, one of them, yeah. Yeah. Fucking and freak show in this movie. Taylor God. Russell yeah, absolutely. Like He's well, terrifying. Actually. But, so that kind of put the movie back on my radar, and then when you all gave me the opportunity to pick a movie again, and it's been so long, I was so <laughs> excited. I was like, yeah, okay, perfect. And so I just did this one. But I... Had a great time with it. Um, I saw it right after I watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. <laughs> like, literally, I got out of the movie theater. It was about 4 o'clock. We started recording at 8. And oh, geez. I had to commute back home, and I needed to stop by the store. So I was like, I'll just, like, start watching this on my phone, just to kind of, like, cut back on time. <laughs> 
So I was watching Wait, so it. Wait, so you watched it today for the first time? I watched it today for the first time. Oh my Holy god. Shit. Oh my powerful. God. That's powerful. So I was like sitting down at the metro station waiting for the train to come, watching the first few minutes of this movie. And this is not a spoiler because it's the first few minutes of the movie. Right, yeah. It's literally the setup. But um, main character, Marin, gets invited to kind of like a slumber party at this girl's house from her school. And you learn that her dad kind of has locks on her door and doesn't really let her go out for good reason because she's a cannibal. But she sneaks out uh, through her window and goes to this um, slumber party. And while they're there, girls are kind of like doing their nails together. And she's sitting under a glass table with this one girl. And the entire time, Marin's looking at the girl as if she's very like interested. Gave very kind of like bi lesbian vibes. Oh, yeah. And the girl gets her nails painted and she's like, oh, Marin, like, what do you think of my nails? And Marin just kind of, like, takes her hand and, like, kind of interweaves their fingers and is looking at the nails and then just, like, takes, I think, the ring finger and, like, starts chowing down. Rips and the flesh away. Yeah. They, show, they show this they, part in the trailer. So much of it. Yeah. But... It goes far longer than I was expecting to. And then they finally, like, get the girl's hand out and the finger is just completely degloved. And holy shit, my jaw literally was just dropped. <laughs> and, this, and I was like, what? Yeah, no amount of and Mike like, Flanagan yeah. movies prepared me for that scene. <laughs> yeah, no, that I was literally so wild. was being audibly reacting to this at the metro station and so i stopped it i was like i can't watch this movie in public um, yeah. but getting back home and watching it it was a really fun time i think it's partially hurt by the fact that i just got out of guardians and i fucking loved that and was emotionally stomped all over by oh, it jesus yeah um Oof. so i think if i were give it to if i were to give it a couple days and watch it again i would enjoy it more but still, I'm I'm hitting it with a eight out of ten. Okay, really, really great. Still time. a very positive really review. It. Absolutely, still a very positive review. There's a lot to like about this movie, um, but some things to be aware of are mm -hmm. the content warnings. Noah, you got some content warnings for us? Now, I don't want to alarm anyone <laughs> with our first content warning. There do be cannibalism in this movie. Oh my god! I know. No. You probably saw the trailers of Bones no. and all. No. That must be lying. But no, right. there is. And obviously with cannibalism, honestly, this is a great spiritual successor to March of the Zombies. A little bit. This is a good transition. Because this is some out. really, yeah. ooh, it's some real grody people eating in this movie. Uh -huh. Holy shit. Yeah. There's some blood and gore. Cannot stress enough. The blood and gore in this movie really hit. It's doing it. And if that's, it might not be your thing. And you need to know that. With that said, yeah, it's is... not as in your face as it could be. Yeah. This no, is not but... pretty cannibalism. No. Um, and it's not I cooked would... either. Fresh was like an emphasis on cooking. Mm -hmm. This is yeah. like... Yeah, this movie yeah. uses its say... cannibalism very differently from how Fresh did. Yeah. Yes. I would say Fresh is a clean cannibal movie. And this mm. is a very messy cannibal movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fresh is a cannibal movie you can bring home to your mother. Not this one. <laughs> wouldn't be Curiously enough, the cannibalism in this one bothered me way less than it did in Fresh, actually. The way they well, play it. Well, it's because it's just... closer to zombie stuff. It, it's, I suppose. Yeah, it feels very 
bestial, I guess I want to say. Yeah, animalistic. Like zombie-like. Yeah. Uh, so animalistic, interesting. Vampire-esque. I cannot wait to talk about yeah, we gotta get the difference show, in in metaphor between mm. Fresh and this movie. Yeah. Uh, we, oh, also, we got a couple other content warnings right. here, though. Uh, we got some abuse references in here. We have an old man, comma, creepy. We got yeah. stalking. And we have one use of the F-slur. Yep. Which mm. Nina, terrible person that they are, thought was funny. I thought it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> I thought it was. was. In, in the scene where it is so said, funny. it is funny, actually, yeah. Yeah. It is very funny. This I thought it was well in utilized, realistic. Also, yeah, yeah the, the movie it, is set in 1988, so like... Yeah. yeah. It was realistic, well utilized, and fucking funny. Yeah. So uh, they don't get a pass or anything, no. but out of the times we've heard it on this pod, on the like movies we've seen for this podcast, this is the funniest one. Best one, yeah, yeah best one so far, for Easily. sure. We should keep Absolutely. a rank list, probably. <laughs> and intentionally so. It's not like in in like the endless where it was funny because it was just so like stupid. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like this this one is funny on purpose. Yeah, yeah. There is nudity as well. Uh huh. Just a touch. There's sex in a cornfield. A little bit. Yeah. A little oh bit, a little yeah, bit. I did forget about that. Yeah. And there's, yeah. Some, there's some there's some posters hanging up in part of the movie oh, that have. Oh my god! Yeah, no, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, another content warning. We got a man posters. listening to Kiss willingly. What the fuck? Oh, Who does yeah. that? See, singing along with Kiss. I do, He's really into it. I do love that scene though, actually, for reasons that I'll get into later. <laughs> It's the boob posters. All of the, I gotta get into like to how <laughs> all of the diegetic stuff in this movie is so on the nose, and I love it. It's beautiful. Um, but yeah, that's the content warnings. Yeah. I think so good. So with all Incredible. that said, though, I mean, Some how scary stuff? In how there. scary is this movie, though? Actually, I, I was wondering that. That's such a good question. Um, I feel weird doing the scary rating. Because so often I give things like a one or a two. It's very rare that I give like a higher number. It's kind of true, yeah. But there are parts of this movie that are really grotesque and horrifying. And there are some things that really caught me off guard. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like I don't get phased super easily. So for people who do, it might be a bit higher, but I'm going to give this like a five or six on the scary rating. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. There are moments. I didn't have nightmares or anything, but there are moments that like really stick out to me as hitting just as hard as they were supposed to. Yeah, this was a three Simpsons wind down for us. Oh, yeah. That's half the length (laughs) of the movie. So for one, I love that as a... As a scary rating, how many of like episodes, how many episodes of The Simpsons? Of the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, but it, we literally we kicked right into Treehouse of Horror four, and Nina's oh, like, yeah. "Oh, I thought we were gonna wind down, but I guess not." <laughs> a Treehouse of Horror is like a good I way to like love the kind of ease of into episodes. a wind. It's so like, much fun. Literally, just go through and skip and watch all the Treehouse of Horror episodes in a row because that just sounds like such a good time. Um, yeah, yeah. This is a this is um. This is a one. This is a movie that is a actually little, it's a, a five disturbo. or a six, Nina. It's not a yeah, one. I just said it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What the yeah. This is anyway. uh, This is one that really does actually hit in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's the not so much like jump scare gross. or anything. No. It's just like that's the thing. The scariest your stomach part, will be a bit unsettled. I think it's the scariest it uses implication. Like, yeah. 
It yeah. uses implication really well. Oh. Without oh. leaving things up to interpretation so much. Yes. There are two moments mm -hmm. where you see it and you're like, oh my God, did this happen? And then Timothy Chalamet's character just like says it out loud. And I'm like, damn, I was really hoping I could like look on the bright side of this, but no. Yep. Yeah. So this is a light spoiler, um, but I'm not going to get into too many details on it because, but there's this, at the end of the movie, there's a lot of, there's a chaotic mess of a scene happening mm -hmm. and it's really messy and you can tell no one here is having a good time. And then it really abruptly cuts. Yes, yes, And you get yes, like yes. three outside establishing shots. Silent. Where you get to see everything is silent. Everything's doing well. You're on a college campus. People are walking around having a nice day. Cuts back to the apartment real hard yeah. and nothing is good all yeah. over again. And the again. music is like blasting I, ooh, again. Man. And oh. Trent. God, the, wild. the use of music cutting in and out, because there's a few scenes of establishing shots of that style throughout this movie where things just get really quiet. There's a couple, yeah. And you can mm -hmm. see what's going on. And then it comes back to the actual like thing that's going on and everything starts up again. I these, love these it. weird little yeah. asides that keep the uncanny energy of this movie really It's kicking. so atmospheric, yeah. Right. And I my favorite it. part is that the scariest stuff in the movie is never a surprise. You see it coming mm -hmm. every single time because the movie is and so you are, good you're like, no, 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 telling no, 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 you no, no, things <laughs> without telling you them yet. Yeah. I would say oh. there's, I feel like one of the creepiest slash scariest movies moments was a bit of a surprise but we can we'll get to it okay I can, okay i'm looking forward to, to hearing it when we get there yeah um but i feel like every once in a while and in our podcast episodes as we discuss something i'm like actually i like this movie way more than i initially rated it <laughs> yeah. and i feel like this is gonna be one of those movies potentially but um mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna jump into our spoil summary uh, Wikipedia actually has a pretty good spoil summary. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Um, and so I'm just going to read from that. Um, oh, yeah. It's a few paragraphs, so please excuse me as I just do some reading. In 1988, Virginia teenager Marin Yearly sneaks out to attend a sleepover with her classmates where she bites through a girl's finger, partially severing it. When she returns covered in blood, her father, Frank, swiftly relocates them to Maryland. Shortly after Marin's 18th birthday, Frank abandons her, leaving behind some cash, her birth certificate, and a cassette tape. On the tape, he recounts the story of Marin's first cannibalistic episode, where she killed her babysitter at the age of three. As similar incidents continued to occur throughout the years, although Frank helped his daughter evade consequences, he grew increasingly anguished over her apparent lack of remorse. He ends the message by stating his hope that she will someday learn to overcome her urges. Marin decides to head to Minnesota, which is listed as the birthplace of her mother, Janelle, who left when Marin was an infant. She's approached at a bus station in Columbus by Soli, an eccentric man and fellow eater, who teaches her that their kind can identify one another by scent. He leads her to a house wherein the owner, an elderly woman, is near death. Though conflicted at first, Marin awakens to find Soli devouring the woman's corpse and joins him. Soli expresses interest in taking Marin under his wing, but she flees the house soon after. While shoplifting supplies in Indiana, Marin defends a woman from being harassed by an intoxicated male customer. 
a young man named Lee antagonizes the customer, baiting him into leaving the store. Marin later spots Lee outside, having just fed off the man. Stealing his victim's truck, Lee offers to bring Marin along, agreeing to help her find her mother after they spend the night at the man's vacant house. As they embark on a cross-country road trip, the two fall in love. During a brief stay in Lee's hometown in Kentucky, Marin notices his unwillingness to disclose certain aspects of his past, such as his father's absence and the reason why Lee avoids being spotted around town. His younger sister Kayla, who is unaware of his true nature, chastises him for his constant departures and unannounced arrivals. As they set up camp one evening, Marin and Lee are approached by what appears to be another pair of eaters, Jake and Brad. However, Marin is revolted when Brad discloses that he does not share the other's cravings, instead choosing to engage in cannibalism. Lee is taunted by Jake, who also talks about the intensity of consuming a body in its entirety, though Lee and Marin are skeptical that such an act is even possible. Unnerved, they drive away once the men have fallen asleep. After Marin expresses hunger during a stop at a local carnival, Lee cruises a male booth worker, Luring the worker outside into a cornfield, Lee slits his throat while Marin watches before inviting her to join him. Once the couple has feasted on the body, they drive to the man's address and discover their victim was married and had a family, leading to an argument where Lee tries to dissuade Marin from her guilt, defending their urges as an escapable part of who they are. Marin is able to locate the home of her maternal grandmother, Barbara, who had no prior knowledge of her existence. Barbara informs her that Janelle, her mom, who she and her husband adopted at birth, voluntarily admitted herself into a psychiatric hospital in Fergus Falls several years before. Marin then finally reunites with her mother, who she's shocked to find has self-cannibalized her own hands. A nurse gives Marin a letter that Janelle wrote to her in case they were to ever meet again, which concludes with Janelle's belief that Marin would be better off dead than living as a monster. Janelle proceeds to attack her daughter before being restrained. Refusing to go down the same path as her mother, Marin leaves while Lee is asleep, soon being approached by Soli, who had been stalking her. She turns down his offer to become companions, causing him to angrily curse at her before departing. Once he realizes Marin is gone, a devastated Lee decides to return home. Marin eventually makes her way back to Kentucky. She runs into Kayla, Lee's sister, who reveals that on the night of her and Lee's alcoholic, abusive father's disappearance, he beat both of his children before mysteriously vanishing while Kayla ran to get the police. Having been initially considered the prime suspect, Lee was cleared once it had been proven that the blood found on him was his own. Marin and Lee rekindle their relationship, deciding to travel westward with no clear destination. Lee tells Marin that he realized his father was also an eater when he bit Lee during their scuffle, confessing that he hid his father away before feeding off him and that he enjoyed the thrill it gave him. He tearfully asks Marin if she thinks he is a bad person, but she declares her love for him. They vow to abstain from cannibalism and attempt to lead a normal life together. Sometime later, they are shown to be living happily in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Marin returns home one day to find Soli has broken into their apartment and he pins her to the bed at knife point, bemoaning her past rejections. After Lee arrives, they succeed in killing Soli, but Lee is fatally wounded in the struggle. As he lies in her arms, Lee expresses his wish for Marin to eat him as he dies, bones and all. 
Marin frantically refuses at first, but eventually gives in. And that's the movie. That's the movie. Hell yeah. That's the movie. Really, really fun time. Like, listening to that, like, run-through, firstly... Maybe we should consult Wikipedia's run-throughs more often because that was fucking tight. <laughs> they're, they're they are good. usually yeah. that good here, really, but they are mostly they really are. very good. This one yeah. did also miss a couple things, yeah. but yeah, they it missed did, the fact sure. that they were jerking off in the cornfield, which is uh, kind of important to the podcast. A couple things that are worth noting that I don't want to spend too much time on. First of all, because this is going to come up when we talk about it, Sully kills Kayla. Like that's a, mm-hmm. a fairly does, yeah. like yeah. important thing. He has this like braid of hair from all the people that he has eaten yeah it is um, just like this way i can remember everyone like, and that's weird as hell Marin finds it after they kill sully and um kayla's hair is at the end of the braid and they correctly identify that that's how sully found her and also that kayla's fucking dead which was definitely that was one of those that's ones fucking that was wild wrecking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that hurts that hurted yeah. man um, and secondarily, Lee has a tattoo that says Adam and Eve and Steve, which I'm not sure is period <laughs> accurate, but I do love it. <laughs> That's great. I didn't see that. Yeah. Here, I'll find it. I'll find it. Oh, wait, is that what's on his like his like lower back? No, it's on his shoulder. Oh, okay. It's it's I'll find it. Because I, I saw That's that he's so got good. something on his lower back, but I didn't get a good look at what it was. Yeah. There aren't too many interesting fun facts for this movie. Um but one of them is Marin's birth certificate says that she's born in Menomone, Wisconsin. Probably mispronounced. Menomone? That town name. That's the one, probably. Just as a guess. Um, Maybe. It's kind of like an enemy. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Wisconsin was the home of famous, famous cannibal and serial oh, yeah, killer yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer. Wisconsin uh, is also where Ed Gein was from, yep. another famous mm-hmm. serial killer who was accused of cannibalism. Yeah. So he, if you're in Wisconsin, be careful. He He made arts and crafts out of people's skin, but like he denied ever eating anybody. Yep. Which like he can't uh, not even once. Wasn't even tempted. Didn't even think about it. I feel like that's a weird ass thing to say, Nina. I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) (laughs) I just think that like he 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 he's like carving into people. What does he gain by lying about that though? That's also true. Like, <laughs> There's no reason. He's like, I draw the line, and that's super, yeah, super like, reasonable. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would anyway, like, not, I'm not, I don't I, want to be a true crime girly. No. I hate it. Yeah. Since I hinted at this right before the um, spoiler synopsis, I would like to just quickly come back around and say that the part that I thought was really f- surprisingly freaky that mm-hmm. I didn't see coming yeah was as Marin is visiting her mom in the psychiatric hospital and she's kind of reading this note that her mom left for her. Uh, um, it ends with, you would basically be better off dead than becoming a monster. And as she reads that part, her mom just jumps up to attack her to try to kill her. Yeah. yeah. Um, did not see that coming. And that was mm-hmm. fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually. Um, yeah. Cause her mom's like barely lucid, barely yeah. lucid has literally eaten off her own hands. Yeah. Um, and that entire kind of like scene of Marin kind of arriving in her mom's hospital room is wild and terrifying. Yeah. yeah, very freaky scene for sure. Yeah, no, it was really well done. Like everything, everything makes sense for every character, um, specifically like 
I when it happened, I hadn't seen it coming. But the moment it was happening, I was like, oh, shit. Like, no, duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like it yeah. doesn't it doesn't hit quite in the same way that like everything that Sully does, like I, I have a note written at some point where I'm like, no, nothing, literally nothing that Sully does ever comes as a surprise. As no. soon as you get to and know I him as a that. character, everything he does, you're like, yeah. Yeah, there he goes. I love. He's so fucking creepy. Yeah, I. He's so good. I read a thing that the director was saying that Luca Guadagnino, Guadagnino, sorry, was saying uh, about working with Mark Rylance on that character. Apparently, they like sat and really worked on how they were gonna do Sully, and it. I mean, all the effort shows for sure, right? Because oh, yeah. like what they were thinking. No, Easily the best character in the movie. Yeah, what they were, I would uh, say easily. All the characters were very all good. The no, were really but he good, feels right? like the most like he He's feels so like you up. picked him out of a different established story yeah. and just popped him in. Yeah. Okay. So because he's just like. Do you want to hear what they were thinking on the way into him? Because oh, yeah. I actually found a direct quote that I can read to you here. Holy shit! We got a direct quote. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. When I spoke to Mark Rylance about the character, we both agreed that we had to be seeing this movie also through the lens of Sully. We could see the movie as a movie about a man who has been alone for so long that he doesn't know how to find contact again, but he needs it. And that's sort of like this this heartbreaking desperation that he's going through. So we gave him... Yeah. The way this is phrased is a little bit odd. Um, so we gave him so many solid motivations and real qualities that belong to something that we know we can justify. So it didn't come across as just a villain, but as someone more fleshed out and more rounded. And of course, Mark is one of the greatest actors of his generation. So what can you do? You work with the best. Love to hear yeah, directors yeah. praising actors for one thing. I hate when it's always. I hate when they don't give credit where it's due, and I love hearing of directors like working collaboratively with their actors. Okay, so Mark Rylance. Yeah, I've only seen him in one film, I think, and uh, yeah, I don't think I've seen him in anything else. But I've seen chat. him in one in one film. But uh, if I'll give everyone a sec to look at his um his filmography if they want to so that you can guess which one it was i do actually know which one it was because you said uh, you mentioned it earlier did i maybe i've seen him in more than one it's also a oh, movie I, that, oh, he no. was in don't look up as well he was yes, also yes. in don't he was look also up. in yeah. don't look up is that, that is not, not the movie talking? i've okay. seen him in no oh my god ready player one it was oh ready player god. one <laughs> He plays um no one knows this character because we listened to I'm gonna I'm gonna do a podcast rec. Uh we listened to 352 pages we'll never get back, which is by um some of the guys who uh worked on um fucking riff tracks in Mystery Science Theater. Oh. Um but the 352 yeah. pages in question is the length of Ready Player One. No, it's a podcast made as a dig against that book that has grown into something else. It has else. grown into something nice. else. But, um, kind of like Kill James Bond so, in that way. Exactly. Kind of. Exactly like that. So um, he plays the founder of the company that made the virtual reality. Um, and in the book, there is not this subplot. But in the movie, this character kind of has this weird fucking nice guy like fucking Tony Stark and Pepper Potts but then Happy Married Pepper thing going on where he's like got this crush on this girl and he's kind of like he's this super sweet smart guy he was so nice but she just had to go for the asshole or whatever Aww, kind of a yeah. thing <laughs> um, but like 
he was pretty similar in that one, um, which unfortunately for the way that that character was written came off as like some pretty heavy autism coding. Um, That's not present in this one. I think this character is a lot better written. um, And a lot, the, the desperation for human contact comes through in both characters. But in this one, when we get to the end and she's like, I thought you said you don't kill people. And he says something to the tune of, I was fucking lying. Um, it's so interesting because he was lying to get her to stay with him. Uh-huh. I love that. It makes so much sense. Yeah. Just like, I, uh, just like I, I assume he was also lying about his rule against eating other eaters, right? Mm-hmm. Because I... To make her feel safe. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I get the impression it's he so well was done. planning on eating her and Lee, probably, right? Uh, at the end at the there, end? I would think so. At yeah, the end, that's, for that's sure. The impression I get yeah, that. after he had been slighted. Which is right. so interesting because Lee says that people have rules, mm-hmm. but he kind of just is like, yeah, it's a thing that people have. Like, he never like really specifies what his are or anything yeah. or uses them to like put her at ease or anything, uh, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of get the idea of what some of his rules might be as we get to know him, yeah. but it's such an interesting version, which um brings me to, and I'll I'll like this is something we can get in more later. This movie, um, specifically, this movie is based off a book, yeah. And from what I can tell, the metaphor in the book is a lot more tailored to be more more obvious. But cannibalism is a metaphor for like love and like that kind of desperation and like the messiness of it Mm. in the movie people pointed out that it could also be a less succinct but still very present metaphor for queerness yeah um because all the queerness is movie specific um obviously lee is extremely bi marin feels bi-coded um so like that that is present in the movie as well and that's very interesting compared to fresh which keeps cannibalism very clean and cannibalism is a is a is a symbol for like the commodification of women's bodies so mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see yeah how that same thing was so well written as a metaphor for both of those yeah things specifically yeah. with with sully and lee right yeah i think yeah i Saw in a video, and I haven't read the book, so I'm kind of going off this video, but they were saying that in the book, it's a lot more kind of stated that Marin only gets the itch to cannibalize or, like, attack somebody once she's become infatuated with them. Um, And that plays into the first scene where she bites the girl's finger off, like, really, really well. Um, and definitely helps me understand her character a bit more. Because yeah. other than that, and correct me if I'm wrong, every other time she eats is when other people kill people and then start eating and then invite her right, yeah. to mm-hmm. join in the movie. But that was yeah. the only time she initiated right, it. Yeah. And there were definitely some infatuation vibes going on. Oh, absolutely. And in the dad's tape, he states to like a couple examples. The first one is um, her babysitter, and mm-hmm. the second one is and a lot of kids their first crushes is on, crushes on their babysitter. Yep. Um, and then secondly was a kid at camp, and then in the book, I believe it's stated that she had a crush on the kid at camp. 
Uh, at kids camp is another really common yeah, place where yeah. you get like caught up in that. I think I think it's yeah, it works really well. That's really interesting because like in that first scene where she bites the girl's finger, I I watched this movie a second time actually um, over the last couple Whoa. of days, and the second time going into that scene knowing she's not acting like she likes this girl, she's acting like she wants to eat this girl. That the, her acting in that scene comes across very differently when you know where it's going. Because the second time through, mm. watching her the whole time, I was like, "Yeah, she is just acting like she's really hungry." Actually, it's just it's that, interesting like, how hunger and desires blurry that similar. line could be. Yeah, they look yeah. similar. Which mm-hmm. is which is why it's such a like apt yeah, metaphor. It's, it's yeah. good. Um, That's that why I think- so many sex acts are can be mistaken for food things like eating out. That yeah hey. yeah. <laughs> yeah Emma, yes. you're so yes, I love yes. you. Okay. Um, I was gonna say that was actually legitimately why... good. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was Don't gonna say. This. Um, oh, I'm encouraging. This. That's that's why Sully is so good yeah. because like it's so tempting to tell a story like this and um and then like just focus on the obvious, which is like desire infatuation right, yeah. in like a, a, a with your good characters. But to have it be so off-putting and manipulative with Sully was such a good choice. Yeah. And then I want to talk about two other characters. Um, your boys, your creepy boys. Yes. What are their names? Brad and Jake. Uh, Jake. Yeah, Brad, Brad and yeah. Jake because Brad, the regular Brad yeah. is not... is not an eater and i love that in this in this film as a metaphor for queerness it's so interesting because it's so queerness is so complicated and there are so many different like ways to identify and reasons to identify certain ways and i think Mm -hmm. in this kind of it using being an eater as a metaphor for queerness in that way having brad the dude who just eats people is a really interesting yeah. facet of and that. And in this yeah. group, it's like, he's a weirdo. Because Mary's yeah. just like, mm-hmm. what, you, you don't He's not understood to? really by either group. Yeah. And it's like, but but like, I'm happy that he found someone who accepts him for him. Not me. I think <laughs> yeah, it, seems like, it seems like they are a very yeah. happy couple. Um, That character, I don't know if you all knew... And again, I got this from a video, so it could be oh, wrong. I think I do know this. But it was played by the director of the new Halloween trilogy. David Gordon Green. Yep. Oh. That's him. Oh, that's yeah. David Gordon Green. That's him. Oh, my God. Yeah. I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, hey, hold on. What? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that's so funny. So I'd like to talk about Sully for a hot second. Oh, sure. I want to talk um, about Leah. Learning, learning that this movie was supposed to also be able to be seen through the eyes of Sully is really cool because I felt so bad for him when she hopped on that bus yeah. and he's just standing there devastated watching her ride away. Yeah. Absolutely devastated. And then like, cause he's just kind of like this weird eccentric guy. Yeah. And I'm like, aw, the poor guy, he's living a life where he has to live alone. Yeah, he probably is gonna doesn't be another too many people. And Nina's then is aggressively a fab moment, but go <laughs> off. Shut up. <laughs> And then the next time we see him, he is, he just shows up and he's like, oh, hey, man, nice seeing you. And she's like, have you been following me? And he's like, well, I mean, it's kind of how it turns out sometimes, right? And she's like, no. Yes. <laughs> actually, it's not. And he's like, oh, well, I mean, you know, sometimes he's like, it's only been a couple weeks. Yeah. 
And she's like, yeah, and I'm on the other side of the country. Why are you following love... me? And he's like, well, I saw your little boyfriend drive away. Yeah. That's, that's sad. I love that, like... Do you want to ride with me now? In the beginning of that and... scene, it's so clear oh. that he has, like, rehearsed the way he's going to act casual for this. Yeah. Because he's, like... And Ooh. he's trying he's so like hard not to let her He's like struck a pose in the seat in his van. He's got the sunglasses on. He lets her walk past and then he just starts singing instead of getting her attention any normal way. You know he was practicing yeah. this the whole time. Which is what makes it so much more, again, like realistic. Uh huh. And a lot of, so a lot of nice guys, TM, mm -hmm. really think of themselves as the main character in their own story. Oh, That's yeah. why they misread so many social cues. Is yeah. And because, Boy is Sully the main yeah, character in his story. They've written this narrative for themselves yeah. where it's like, no, she's just with the asshole and then she'll come to me because I've been so nice to her mm -hmm. and it'll all pay off because that's how it's supposed to work. And I love seeing that with Sully. Yeah. It's funny because when he, when she says like, no, and leave me alone, basically, and he freaks mm -hmm. out, it was mm -hmm. very much a, and I had this like conscious thought of like, this is, it's funny seeing an old man play kind of like the nice guy TM yeah. of yeah. like, well, fuck you, bitch. You're not even cute. Yeah. Like you're, you're ugly yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm like. He, but you were watching like the seventy-year-old like, man do it. Vibe. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. really funny. Also, like, and to you, for you to bring up the nice guy metaphor as well is just great, yeah. and I love it a lot. And also, just like Mark Rylance's very, very specific execution of the way he has his little tantrum in that scene. Did you mm -hmm. did you catch this? He's like kind of standing, sort of as he like paces around and stuff. He ends up kind of standing by the back corner of the van. And there's a moment where he like goes and just walks off. And it's clear that he just like walked off in the wrong direction by accident because he wasn't thinking like not like like the character walked off in the wrong direction yeah. because he wasn't thinking. And then he has to come back and he has to say something else now that he's entered her line of sight a second time. I love that <laughs> just as a tiny it's touch so to the way that he performs that. It's so fucking good. It's incredibly well written. Yeah. Um But like And and I I'll take I'll take it back on the like like finding him creepy from the get-go. Cause I did. I a hundred percent did. Oh, sure. He's creepy. Um and yeah. I never he found was meant he to be. <laughs> and I but the thing is, I've I've been I'm not immune. I've been suckered into several relationships. Not not like romantic, but like um, where they thought it was going to be romantic with nice guys Oof. because you do feel bad for them. You do feel devastated because they're human yeah. and you you don't want to hurt their feelings and you're constantly trying to let them down easy or ghosting them so that like you don't have to be faced with the like the yelling and the shouting and the you're ugly anyway, mm. bitch. Like you can't, you, sometimes running away is the easiest option, which is what we fucking see with Sully because when she does tell him no, he gets all up in her business. So like, yeah. yep. I yeah, it was devastating to see Sully there, and like there were there are moments that I can remember remember in my life where I tried to let a guy down easy, and then we both got our feelings hurt because I did feel bad that I had done yeah. that to him. But what are the other options? Well, right, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I, for for his whole like first appearance in the story, initially of course he was straight up creepy, but then like as you start to get to know him. I was kind of like, okay, there is there is definitely a shadow of a chance that he's actually well-intentioned, but just this weird. But then, like, by the time Marin actually ditches him and you hear him, like, singing in the shower and stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, he's just, he's he's definitely just being weird about her, actually. 
Yeah, which I I love that they reveal that a lot of that stuff was manipulation uh-huh. because like it sounded so nice, but then you get to this this like vibe that keeping the hair isn't altruistic either. It's not to keep a memory of them or whatever the fuck he said. No, it's his weird it's serial It's weird. a weird serial killer. No one else does yeah. that. I think that like as unhealthy as Lee is as a person, his his kind of method of just, just doing it. Justifying shit yeah. to himself, saying it's over and moving on yeah. and accepting I when you make a mistake. I love what she told him yes. about it. He's like, what? That's weird as yeah, hell. Yeah, the face <laughs> that, that he makes, that? he's just like, oh, that's a choice. Like... <laughs> Yeah. Lee, my beloved. And then I also really like when she's like, oh, he can smell people. He smelled me from a mile away. And he's like, oh. I think I've heard of this guy. I think I heard of that guy. And that's never a good thing. As soon as he said that, I was like, oh, Sully's the the villain. Oh, I've heard about him. That was the moment that I was like, oh, Sully's going to come back later. He's going to be the villain. Speaking of, can we talk about Lee for a second? Absolutely. Or for, for several minutes in Lee all likelihood. For several <laughs> yeah. minutes. So I love Lee. I want to just highlight one specific scene, and it's the kiss scene. Not the, the scene where they kiss, but the scene where they go to that dude's house, and Lee starts singing and dancing to that kiss record. Okay, I mm. love how they arrive at this house, and he sees the poster, and he's just like, oh, <laughs> look at this, and just starts talking about it, because that's <laughs> something that he's into. And then he goes, and he finds the record, and he's like, yeah, see, look. What right, right? Isn't this isn't it cool? And he's like, you can tell he's kind oh, of thrown yeah. off by the way she's not engaging with this because he just thinks it's cool. I love it. And then here's mm-hmm. my favorite part. He puts the record on, he starts singing, he's dancing his way around the room, periodically making eye contact with Marin and being like, Cool, right? Isn't this great? There's a moment where like he kind of like turns a corner and starts dancing sort of vaguely toward the camera. And at this moment, I said, Oh shit. Oh no, he's gonna dance at her. And it's going to be all like weird and uncomfortable and stuff. He doesn't. He just makes brief eye contact and does the isn't this cool thing and then starts dancing at himself in the mirror instead. Really just <laughs> emphasizing to us that like he's really just doing his thing and letting her come along. He has no mm-hmm, specific yeah. interest in her whatsoever at that point. He's just letting her come with him to be nice. I and love I, that I love, as you a can counterpoint tell the moment to when Sully. he's like, okay. And he's like, she's not really impressed by this. And he's like, well, I'm going to go shower. Yeah, he just moves past it. (laughs) It's such a fantastic counter to Sully, where he doesn't spend Mm -hmm. a lot of time trying to emphasize how he's a good person. He just says, I don't know, I don't really hang out with other eaters. I'm not an asshole. And then just is like, you know, makes it clear to her that she's welcome to go with him if she wants to. But he's not like trying to get her to do anything at any point. I'm sorry. I love him. I just remember <laughs> it's just... Sully's constantly trying to emphasize that he's yeah. a good person to her, even up until the end. Yeah. And then Lee is slumped against the wall and he's been stabbed and he's like, am I a bad person? Yeah. Like that? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Just, oh. <laughs> Apart yeah, from the I whole did, eating people thing, so... Lee's only real red flag is that he's a Kiss fan. <laughs> a Kiss fan who knows when different albums came out, yeah. and also <laughs> mocks other people for being Kiss fans, low key. Which no, was, he didn't. Yeah, he did a little Dang. bit. How he walked into that room and he's oh, like, cool. "Oh, Kiss fan. I wonder if he has oh, lick he it has off." Lick That's it the off. first album okay. they did when they did without the face yeah. paint. Flip, flip, flip. Oh yeah, he does. Okay, yeah. I read a little bit of it as being like, "Oh my god, of course also, that guy was a Kiss." If you fan. just just as a as a little aside here about about my life, uh, if you just sub out Kiss's "Lick It Up" with Oingo Boingo's "Dead Man's Party," this is literally an oh, interaction so that I had with Becca earlier this week. <laughs> 
That's hilarious. <laughs> You're so valid. Oh my god. I was god. just like, you know, Oingo no, Boingo, Dead Man's Lee. Party, you know. <laughs> I love Lee having there are also moments. There's a moment where Lee sees a mechanic walking mm. and I'm like, oh shit, Lee is hungry and he's gonna eat this dude. But no, he literally just asked the guy for information about the truck. Yeah. yeah. Because I I like how Lee like with Sully, you're like, oh my god, I, I hope Sully didn't eat Kayla, and then you find out that he did. Yeah. Versus with Lee, you're like, damn, I bet Lee's gonna eat this dude, and then he doesn't yeah. because you know, it's Lee. Yeah. He wouldn't mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> he feels he I love how um because he's not perfect and he does have room to grow and open up and he does do that. Um, and he does let Marin in, even if he's not willing to talk about shit, he lets her into vulnerable parts of his life. Yeah. And he's willing, he's willing to show her that stuff with the knowledge that that is going to paint a very specific picture of himself. And he does it anyway. Yeah. And I really love that. And he's also, he doesn't, when he, when he feels bad about stuff, like with the guy at the cornfield, when he feels bad about it, he doesn't. He doesn't hide that. Yeah. He doesn't say, I don't feel bad about it. He he says we he, very reasonably, we couldn't have known. Yeah. Uh, it's over. Can't do anything about it. It's not our fault. And he says all this stuff out loud to Marin. But at the end of the movie, we see that that is not how he feels. Not he, even a little yeah. bit. And I, ah, oh, God, I love him so yeah. much. He and Marin are really good. Yeah. Can I ask you all an important question that? that you uh-huh. pre-established? But didn't get go into detail on. Go. Um, what what moment was it that made you realize that Timothy Chalamet was hot? Uh, oh, that's not for me because <laughs> I realized that one when his character in Don't Look Up explained why his name was Yule. His name is um, Yule. <laughs> <laughs> like Yule Brenner or like. No, this is for Noah and Jeff. Then no, his parents were just really into Christmas time, is what he says. I love Yule very much as well as a character. I hated that movie, but Timothy Chalamet was great. Okay, so the point where I took the note that says. God damn it, Tim Chalamet is hot. Fuck. Um, <laughs> I took that note immediately after a note that says, in all caps, oh, the mom's alive. So I guess it would be in the parking lot scene after uh, Marin has talked to her mom. Mm. I'm I'm looking through my notes, and outside of Tim Dune has landed. <laughs> Noah insists on referring to him as Tim I, Dune I during the runtime of the movie. I was trying not to. On I this don't podcast, love that. But that's what I normally call him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to say something else about Noah's notes really quick. He does switch to Lee at some point because I th- I think that's a pretty I called good him indicator Lee at most when Noah had his it's moment. just shorter. But if I'm talking about Tim, I'm tell I'm calling him Tim. You know. So right. I don't okay, so I don't actually have a moment in here where I said, hmm, I I get it now. Right. But I tweeted about it and I wish I could tell you when in the movie that was, but it was definitely before the hospital scene. Hmm. I was thinking it small amounts before that, but that was the point where I was like, shit, I can't deny this anymore, you know? It's probably somewhere when his sister hit the scene. Mm. And he's just being like this casual dweeb. He's he okay. is just a casual. Before Nina dweeb, gets yes. into a brief thing about my notes, he plays in this movie the character that Machine Gun Kelly thinks he is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my this god, casual, you're right. man yeah, 100%. with fun colored hair. Yeah, 
hundred yeah, percent. But yeah. I, you're I, not wrong. No, this character was, dresses so much better than Machine Gun Kelly ever has in his life, though. Which okay, oh my God. I let's love talk about the, the F slur. Wears in this. Let's talk about the F slur in this yeah. movie really quick. Um, so the the F slur in this movie occurs when they're visiting Lee's childhood home, and his sister tells him that his shirt makes him look like an F slur. Um, and he immediately, and as he's entering the house and she's yelling this after him, he, he just takes, takes it off shirt and off. he never so wears that sad. specific shirt again. So yeah. sad. And it's like, listen, it's not the shirt that was the problem, well, babe. No, it's, it's not. He look, looks like that in but... every shirt he wears. <laughs> but it's such a sibling thing to fucking say. And mm-hmm. it's so, it's such a great way of showing us that he cares about what Kayla yes. thinks. That he just... Like, first of all, he is queer. We do learn that. Um, but secondly, he he cares what she thinks. Mm-hmm. We already knew this because he came all the way back and he does make an effort to visit. But like, oh, I, I remember when I <gasps> oh, made the no, connection about Tim Dune. When was that? It was the breakfast scene. Oh, yes. When she's just like, oh, you're a lot less moody than yesterday. Firstly, right after he said, I don't like talking to people after I eat and I don't like talking to people. <laughs> And then the next day, after a suitable amount of time has passed, and he's showered, and he's eating pancakes, she's like, oh, you're so much happier today. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, his exact line is like, anyway. well, you know, she says, you seemed like such a hard case yesterday. And he says, well, when you weigh 142 pounds soaking wet, you have to have a big attitude instead. That's that's when he uh, clicked for me. Okay. Because I'm like, damn it, he's hot and he can act. Fucking yeah. hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's a note in Noah's notes that I want to talk about. Um, jumping back to queerness real quick, where Noah says uh, something to the tune of "Damn, comp het carny guy," which mm. is so true. Um, the Mona Lisa the, shirt. I, Ooh, no, I love that Mona Lisa shirt. It's so sad that like there is no way that that Lee could have been expected to know that this man no. was married to a woman. This man is <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Like as soon as you see him on screen, you're like. What the hell is this dude wearing? Is that a Mona Lisa shirt? He's gay. He's gay. And then he and Lee just jump straight past like fucking any goddamn like yeah. niceties. Straight to it. There's there's like there's like an aside about how Marin's not his girlfriend, which is clearly just a like I'm a fucking open season yeah. man. And <laughs> and then it's like directly into sex in a cornfield. Good for yeah, them. Yeah, the two the two of them recognize each other for what they are like immediately and. And so do we as the audience. And and then that's fucking again is like uh, cannibalism is a metaphor for queerness and how you can tell someone else is a cannibal immediately. And how when Brad, Brad finds what's his face already eating and takes that as a signal for this is my chance to do something I've always wanted to do. Like there's so much there. Go ahead. You're like, I am vibrating right now. Okay. So recognizing the, the eaters being able to recognize each other. There is a visual cue for us, the audience, in addition to the eaters being able to smell one Ooh. another. I don't know if you saw this. Is it their weird fucking hair? It's not their <laughs> hair, actually, although they do kind of all have that. Okay, they do all have weird this. hair. Lee has a very large and very obvious bite scar on his cheek. Oh. Marin's mm-hmm. mom also is shown to have a rather large and obvious bite scar on her left cheek. Same cheek. Brad has no bite scar whatsoever. Um, Jake has a bite scar on his left arm, actually. And um, 
Marin does not have a bite scar anywhere on her face, but she does have that like light colored birthmark looking thing by her right eye. Oh yeah. And sometimes when you get bitten, when not bitten necessarily, sometimes when your skin receives some kind of a trauma at a really young age, it can result in discoloration. So I think that's what that's intended to imply. Like anecdotally, I knew somebody briefly once mm-hmm. who had, she had like these like purple marks going all up her leg. And it was apparently from a time that she got burned really badly when she was like a toddler. Hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I because I know if some maybe... of those can be can be birthmarks, right. but others can be because of trauma. And I wonder if maybe the one that Marin has is intended to be an indication of a bite from when she was a small, small child. I don't know. Perhaps mm. I'm reading into it too much. But she does have that like colored mark on her face, and that's not just something that Taylor Russell has. I don't think. And all of the other eaters in this movie are shown to have a very obvious looking bite scar. Also, anecdotally, mm-hmm. um, Lee has a second bite scar on his chest to the left. And it's the same spot that he starts with every time he goes to eat somebody. That's the spot that he bites on them first. And it's also the spot Taylor that Russell Sully stabs him in at the end. So it ends up being the place. Uh, Taylor that Russell starts. does have that. Oh, does she? Mark, okay, I'm an way. idiot then. Yes, that is. No, you're not. You're not an idiot. It's an. Int- it's. It's definitely an interesting. I theory. went and like found other pictures of her and thought that I couldn't see it. So my bad. There's some pictures from the red carpet where I could find it, but there are a lot of them. It's not super. Yeah. Uh, noticeable. And that and like once I once I started noticing that I actually on my second watch I started developing a theory about her dad. Mm. That he was like, I I have a thing for her dad okay. as well. So I'm curious what you're gonna My say. Is that he's an eater too, but he managed to like reform himself somehow. I think because okay, I had a different. Okay, thought. well when when we that. get introduced to him, when well not not quite when we get introduced to him, but like he's when uh in that earlier scene where it's uh Marin is about to go to bed so that she can sneak out and he like locks her in her bedroom and stuff. Whatever's mm-hmm. on the TV that he's watching, the it's like a, a news broadcast or something, and the reporter is talking about a guy who removed himself from some kind of a situation, and the exact quote that he says is, he was the only one to walk out on this scheme voluntarily, and then he says some other stuff mm-hmm. and comes back to that exact same phrase again. Mm-hmm. So, and then Marin later on has that like dream where she sees her dad's face and he like spits a bunch of blood out. And that had me like mm-hmm, looking at mm-hmm. him really closely. Like, does he have a bite scar? Does he have a, can I see something on him to indicate to me that he's got the eater mark that all the other eaters in this movie have? He doesn't seem to. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. There's yeah. just like a couple of weird little things that make me think there's something else going on with him. What's your theory? My theory is that. Jake and Brad are a parallel for um, Marin's parents, Ooh. where um, her dad was so in love with the mom that he tried to join that lifestyle. Um, and once the mom got pregnant and everything, I think he saw the dangers of right. it and the dangers of kind of especially it with their daughter. And so they both knew that they had to kind of like step away. And obviously the mom is like, I can't control myself, so I have to put myself away. Mm -hmm. But you need to like get away and take care of our daughter and try to raise her as 
quote unquote normal. Yeah. Um, so I think he he tried and I think he did okay. indeed cannibalize some people, but I think he was not a true eater. So he was able to stop. Yeah, I follow that. Yeah, I, I can get that. Yeah. Yeah, I could get behind that. Totally. Um, for sure. I think that's really interesting. I want to. OK, so I want to read this book. I'm curious um, about it. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. curious about it for sure. I know that some things were changed. Casual, casual obsession horror novel 2024. I think it's not it would be, be weird to talk about one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be interesting if we Jeff do to talk this. about one where we've already seen the movie. Um, but I would not be opposed to it because, like, I am gonna read it. Un, un, ironically, like, uh, uh, detached from everything here. Because I've been reading books recently, awesome. and I really enjoyed this movie, yeah. so I would totally give it a shot. Um, yeah. No. I have a theory I want to put forward. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. Um, girl in the Diner is an eater. Oh, oh the, little the little kid, kid who keeps yeah. staring Absolutely. at Maren. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I follow that for sure. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's I all totally I could think of because so. there were so yeah. many shots of that kid just, just looking, looking yeah. at her. I almost mm-hmm. expected a scene of her like running into her in the bathroom or something running into Marin yeah. there and then just like saying something yeah. mm-hmm. no i definitely felt yeah, that I, follow that for sure. I think that's really interesting because that is and i think that's really interesting as well as the like um again thing with with like attraction and queerness and love is like again kids will hook on to people that they see that they have no clue who they yeah. are like yeah. mm-hmm. see a cool looking person in public and like something unlocks in your head and you're like that's dope yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i love it yeah God, I, it's a good movie i, would go so I far might as be like that. moving it up to a nine <laughs> right? as it's coming yeah, I, would, like... I would actually go so far as to say that theory noah is the most of all of our theories, the most likely to be intended textually, because that scene hits like not mm-hmm. too long after the thing that Sully said, where he's like, haven't you ever had somebody do a like a double take or just look at you for a little yeah. bit too long? And Marin's like, well, yeah, but I just kind of thought and he's like, yeah, you just thought some people are weird, but that's not what that is. Yeah. And then we get our I... attention drawn to someone staring. God like damn. That's very intentional. That's got to be in there. Yeah, I love how. Speaking again of like flagging other queer people and like all of that stuff, I love how it seems like we're constantly running into other eaters because that's like the queer experience. You sometimes you forget that the world is mostly made up of straight people because you're just constantly like you, you find each are other in so circles. Easily, yeah. You find each other so easily and it's great and it's lovely and it's like this really interesting community, but we're like, you know, you're all different people who have different opinions and ideas and might not jive together really well, which is another thing I love about this movie is just because you have this thing in common of being an eater that doesn't mean that you're like going to get along yeah and it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you're safe for each other necessarily but it does mean that you can talk about things that you could not talk about with anyone else until you are with this person Mm -hmm. so which is a reason that Marin feels so uh betrayed and grossed out by brad not being an eater Mm -hmm. it's like this weird voyeur into their world yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's so interesting. I love that so much because, yeah, they are just constantly smelling each other, running into each other, being in the same spaces as each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. Can I say a funny thing related to how not all eaters 
are going to get along just because they're eaters and yeah. not all queer people are going to get along because yep. they're queer. Um, my mom, I, normally I'll call my mom when I'm going on like walks to the store. And like a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to her and she was kind of reconnecting with people she knew from a long time ago. She was like, oh, this lady that like I was really good friends with after you were born and she had a child like like right around when you were born as well. And that person has grown up and is now a trans woman. And like, it's so cool. And like, I can give you their contact information. And I'm like, why? And they're like, and my mom was like, because like, like, isn't it just cool that you both ended up being trans and like you knew each other when we were babies? And I was like, like no, we yeah, didn't though. Actually, I don't, I don't know who that person is and they don't know who I am. Yeah. And for like me to reach out, God, that's would be such a very weird. Mom. That's <laughs> such a mom thing. Oh, oh, sweetie, you're trans. You know the baby I used to have you hang out with. They're trans too now. Isn't that cool? Yeah. It's contagious. Friends. God. Oh no. <laughs> Maybe we can both recover from our weird ass moms together. Who knows? <laughs> Heidi, I, I Heidi's not weird. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's so wow. so true, wow. so true, bestie. Man, man, man. <laughs> yeah, no, God. Yeah, I think this movie's moving up. I think it's a nine for yeah. me now. The more I talk about it, the more I'm like, damn. Yeah. I think I, I really like this it. movie. Like, I think this would be a movie that would be improved on a second watching. Mm-hmm. It's it it How do you feel it about is. that? Hundred percent. Yeah. Nice. It's because it now you know what's coming and, and you get to like look into it. Yeah, it, it it's it's the kind of movie that like on the second watch you're like settled into it more. You know, you know, like this is because mm. this is definitely the kind of movie that like for me I found it very immersive. It really sucked me in really hard. But like mm-hmm. with all movies, there's a certain amount of time that it takes to like settle into it. And I can definitely see for someone who isn't specifically me, this could be a little bit of a difficult movie to actually let yourself really settle into. And my experience having settled into it pretty quickly and easily was that I settled into it even faster and more easily and was just glued to it still on the second watch. I mm-hmm. felt like I was seeing more of it. It's so fucking good. I would I want to rewatch it cuz I would love the opportunity to now that I now that I know where it's going mm. just like live with Marin and Lee for yeah. a bit because I was so interested in seeing where the story went yeah. next that I feel like I lost some of that like experience with the two of them and i love them as characters and i love their relationship um and i want to experience it it's kind of how i feel i i was just talking um in the server as we were recording about how annihilation is one of my comfort movies um Mm -hmm. and i think that is similar i love except it's for the world i love the world building and annihilation so much. And I love, like, I want to live in that world for as long as possible. So on rewatches, I'm really paying attention to the environment, yeah, the, the like the little things and just being because the movies pay so much attention to that stuff. A lot of it's just the characters observing where they are. And, um, that's why I love rewatching it is getting to be in this world again. And I think I could do the same thing with bones and all, but, um god i i it hurts me so much that this is a movie that i can't in good conscience recommend to anyone everyone that i would recommend this movie to is sitting here right now 
Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one to really place who will be a good audience for it, for sure. Yeah. I immediately wanted to talk to my coworker about it because she's a film person, but then I had to stop myself because she's not a not a food movie cannibal movie person. Mm. Um yeah. so like it's it's so hard. I, mean, I don't Mata, I don't want to recommend Maybe this. she can make an exception too. Who knows? No. 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 Okay. no. <laughs> <laughs> I when I say she's got a thing, I mean okay. it's like a thing. Yeah, understandable. Um, understandable. Yeah, unlike you, Jeff, your things not apparently fake. not no, real. I, yeah, like uh, <laughs> I was faking. I mean, listen, if you, this is a perfect movie for if you've got people looking for queer romances yeah. that are also like a little extra. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a really this well is oh romance. this actually this is something that I was that I mentioned after the as the movie was finishing as Marin is sinking her teeth into mm. Lee I turned to Noah and I was like this movie is what Summer Sons thought it was there were a <laughs> bunch of points actually where Lee would like do something and I was like yeah this is what a young gay southern boy does like th this is this is what it should have been rather than what's in Summer Sons I was thinking exactly the same stuff this is one of those relationships to me that like when people talk about like it doesn't matter if it's a straight quote unquote relationship if both members of that relationship are queer it is, it is a queer it relationship and this is a really really good example of that honestly because it like their their attraction to each other and their love for each other uh, in the end when they get to just have a life together I'm getting emotional yeah, again I hits. love these characters it fucking hits and it hits how in the meantime as we get to see them interact with other people like it, it their attraction to other people is also addressed with like just the same level of matter of factness as their relationship with each other you know oh <sighs> yeah. gosh but yeah no summer sun's wishes um, yeah <laughs> um <laughs> a little bit talk here about the soundtrack for just a minute Okay, so yeah, let's talk about Trent. Let's talk about Trent Reznor and I guess Atticus Ross. Most of the most of the soundtrack is so Reznor sounding that I spent an awful lot of it being like, wow, either the songwriting chemistry between these two is incredibly tight, or Atticus Ross is the world's biggest freeloader. And I, I don't I don't <laughs> think that's the case. I, I I think it's just that they work really well together and have a lot of good like songwriting cohesion. Um but like there's that like, you know, that like acoustic guitar that keeps coming in to play these like really like uh, kind of short longing sounding melodies and stuff like that. And it does this a couple mm -hmm. of different ways because it comes in in the happy parts playing romantic stuff and it comes in in the sad parts playing like more melancholic kind of stuff. And it also also the music comes in and does some like sort of unexpected stuff in a couple of scenes, but I'll get to that in a second. The acoustic guitar, the specific acoustic guitar sound sounds like the most Trent Reznor-ass acoustic guitar I can imagine because it sounds exactly like so many things that I've heard him play in his own music. Apparently, that actually wasn't their idea. They worked very closely with, um, uh, with Luca on this one, and he had a really clear idea of like the kind of vibe that he wanted. And he specifically requested that they use acoustic instruments as much as they could for it because he felt that that would portray the kinds of feelings he was aiming for more. And the feeling that he told them to go for specifically was like longing. Mm -hmm. And I listened yeah. to this movie soundtrack, uh, this movie's soundtrack the other day. 
while I was like washing my dishes and shit, because that's the kind of thing that I do sometimes. If a, a, a movie that we cover for the podcast has a really particular, like, you know, distinctive soundtrack or something, I'll just listen to it for a little while ahead of the recording. Number one, it's just it's yeah. super, super Reznor. But like it's it's so well done because like the acoustic guitar plays a couple of different like flavors of melodies. Right. But I'm pretty sure they always start on the same note. So oh. when you hear the first note hit, you kind of don't know where it's going yet. And mm-hmm. it ends up leading to this like, I don't know, like common tone to the happy and sad parts. Like, the happy parts can never manage to be fully happy because it still sounds so much like what you hear in the sad parts. The sad parts are Mm -hmm. almost less crushing because it's kind of just what's been playing the whole time. And the whole time, it just sounds hungry. Yeah. This is such a perfect soundtrack for this movie. I fucking love it. But also... It's so good. Yeah, but like, there's this one part where it's the, the scene where Lee is describing to Marin the way that he killed and ate his dad and yeah. the location of this scene they're like you know they're in this like big wide open grassy plain on a hill and it's you know this beautiful like you know scenic view that they've got and the music that's playing is like what you would expect in your average similar scene in a, a more straightforward romance movie but then what Lee is saying mm-hmm is about how he duct taped and murdered and ate his dad. And I love Mm -hmm. that counterpoint. It reminds me of Giallo director Lucio Fulci, who is known for saying that his approach to the soundtrack in his movies and the way that he uses it in his violent scenes, um, his, his approach is to, in his words, assault the eyes and comfort the ears. And I felt like this was going Mm. for something a little bit similar in a couple of the cannibalism scenes, actually, where the music is just like not as dark as you would expect it to be in a cannibalism scene, you know? But then also you've just got this like very feelsy, romantic sounding music playing over a scene where Tim Dune is talking about eating a guy. I just I love that kind of my favorite Giallo director. I love that (laughs) counterpoint. It's so good. It's so cool. Unlike my favorite Giallo director, Dario Argento, who bemuses the eyes with flashy dark visuals (laughs) and then confuses the ears with blasting motorhead. Okay, so I have a question. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question mostly for Jeff. Um, Am I the expert? (laughs) Okay, Giallo boy, you know the answer. Okay, so this is is a question. Um, Because Noah and I were talking when this movie started and the dialogue started and I was like, oh... Like, this is an Italian, like, I had the realization this is an Italian movie. This is, like, giving off major giallo vibes. It's not a giallo, though, because it's not a detective story? It's, okay, so a giallo is, like, a mystery, typically, like, a murder mystery. And this is Mm -hmm. very much not that, but it's also, like, I mean, that's, that's kind of it, really. That's yeah, the, see, that was what no all said the vibes of this are Italian as all hell, but it's not a mystery and it's not played in a a particularly giallo kind of way, honestly. Though you know, it like it it keeps the the super Italian kind of vibe. And if your only experience with Italian movies is giallo movies, very easy to Which see it how is. you yeah. Well, I mean, you've seen spaghetti westerns though. Well, and spaghetti westerns, but uh, Which it have, is like, spaghetti westerns. they have their particular like you know similar but different style of visual storytelling yeah. and all that kind of stuff. The visual but, storytelling definitely is similar. The dialogue in a spaghetti western, the vibes are it's differently than a no yeah. no dialogue. <laughs> the vibes yeah. are as little dialogue 
dialogue as possible, um, which is different from yeah, when you get the like dialogue. detective stories. You do got to be saying right, shit, yeah. and then this movie, there's it's a romance. Right. So you well, and also like in a spaghetti western, the dialogue when it is spoken is always very direct, very to the point. Whereas in a giallo movie, you might hear about all kinds of just random ass shit that has nothing to do with anything. Like actually, as we all so know, bugs are telepathic. Well, right. Exactly. As we all know, <laughs> all insects on Earth are slightly telepathic. That's how they communicate with each other and sometimes you know a person might be and it's normal for bugs to be into them if that's what happened but like um <laughs> the the scene where God we get like brad and jake and we hear you know their their super cute story of how they met each other for the first time and they hang out at the fire with everybody and then uh lee and Marin go to ditch them in the middle of the night get away from them without them realizing is the what they're trying to do and it ends up kind of feeling as though Brad and Jake didn't impact the story a whole lot. It feels like that scene probably could have gotten chopped because it doesn't feel in the moment like they made a, a difference in anything at all. That's the kind of thing that mm -hmm. I would expect mm -hmm. in a Giallo movie because lots of times you will have entire scenes where it's like, I, I get how this serves the vibe. I see how it happens, but, yeah. but like... This isn't forwarding okay. the story at all. Though I do think that Brad and Jake so, affect the story the in a, a way that matters. Right. I do think that they do. This yeah. is a this is the thing, like, as a writer yeah. that always like bothers me is when people are like, um specifically when people told me that my book was too long. Oh, and it's what? like, no. okay, <laughs> but here is the problem. <laughs> 150,000 words is short. Um, but no, like I would go through for a little while. I would I I tried to go through and like decide like if I had to cut scenes or if I had to chop it into three parts, would that work? It wouldn't. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily like keep the plot moving, yeah. but like if the characters are going to make plot decisions later, we have to have seen what led them to that point. Uh -huh. Um and that with obviously like you know this but yeah with with brad and jake yeah. the decision at the end for lee to ask Marin to eat him and to to talk the way that he does about mm -hmm. it like is directly tied to the conversation that they had it's it's to eat someone bones and all is not to as as jake says to like become more of a cannibal or mm -hmm. anything or more of an eater or like really like breakthrough but it is to make someone part of you complete yes. which is another thing that yeah. comes up in that conversation yes. and so that's like yes that doesn't serve the what we could call main plot of finding Marin's mother or finding out about Lee's past or Sully or any of that but emotionally on the very very important core arc of Lee and Marin's like kind of catharsis at yeah. the end there they are instrumental to that and instrumental to world building and understanding like eaters as a whole yeah. so like i yeah well, and additionally like even if you do just take the way that jake described it at face value it means that lee's final act was to say i want to be this super important special experience for you additionally mm -hmm. i uh. want to be a part of you forever and she ends up like doing it because she wants him to be a part of her forever and that's what that like the final scene before the credits roll we get this like just sort of slow zooming shot of the two of them on that grassy hill again just kind of together and i feel like mm -hmm. that's what that's what that shot is trying to accomplish is to indicate like they, they are still together in their way you know like he he has kind of become a part of her that will never disappear 
Mm-hmm. Even though pre- previously we do get the the shots of their like empty apartment with Sully's blood on the floor and all that stuff, and it's all empty and it's got like Lee's necklace on the floor under the bed broken, and you're just like, oh man, desolation. This is uh, lifeless and sad. But then you do get the shot of the two of them together, and it's like, well, it, they did kind of get something ultimately, and it was it was worth it, and it like it. <sighs> It's worth it that it happened to Marin and that Marin gets to to know that that's something that she deserves and can have and it's possible. Yeah, to eat a man bones as and someone all. who was yeah. <laughs> fucking abandoned and thrown away yeah. and like and told that she was better off dead over, which is such a queer thing. Oh, again. 100%, 100%. Um, over and over again by everyone she ran into, she had one person that got it. Which is, again, why even though a straight-passing relationship can be queer is because these two people could talk about that aspect of their yeah. lives. Like, that's instrumental. Is, yeah, that's it's so important. Very different. And they're still set apart from all the other couples that they encounter by, like, the kind of clothes that they wear. Mm-hmm. You notice this? The both of them wear mm-hmm. floral patterns constantly. As a floral their, pattern fan, Both of their I aesthetics it. are very queer. Extreme. Yes. Yeah. The bangs, Marin's bangs. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I know it's the 80s, but still, babe. Important note is... That it is a queer relationship because both of them are at least yeah. bi, seemingly. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. It's so good. But it's like, it's not just in the text, but it's in the like subtext as well. It's also in the writer's foreword and in the annotations. Um, <laughs> the you know, everywhere. It's yeah, in footnotes. the the blog that they posted while they were <laughs> writing it. <laughs> Um, yeah, no. All the acting was really good. I think that um, all the char- all the actors pulled off this dialogue that I feel like might not have been easy in less case. The guy who played Jake um, plays my favorite character in Shape of Water. Uh, he also is in Call Me By Your Name, which Timothy Chalamet got super famous for. Mm. Um, also directed Timothy by... Timothy Chalamet's uh, fucking dad. Also directed by Luca Guadagnino. Oh, that mm-hmm, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, he likes yeah. to use the same actors. Like so many directors. We've never seen that before on the show. <laughs> uh, never. <laughs> Flanna who? Uh, who's this Mike I hear? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, who? <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh, he was in Shape of Water and he was my favorite character in that. So I, it hurt It hurt a little bit to see him playing a weird creep. <laughs> yeah. But um, he did a really great job. Everyone's vibes were exactly correct for the type of character they yeah, were supposed to be playing. Nothing good performances um, all around. Yeah. No complaints. No complaints. <sighs> um, do we want to head on over to Noah's Notes? Let's do Noah's Notes. Like yeah. I, I love how I'm giving everything about this movie like 10 out of 10. I'm like 10 out of 10 plot, 10 out of 10 characters, 10 out of 10 script. M- music. <laughs> music, 10 out of 10. Eight Lita. out of ten movies. Eight out of ten. Yeah, <laughs> like all the individual parts feel pretty perfect. There is something that keeps me from wanting to give it a ten. You know what? But like, but here's the thing, though. I think, I think, I think that the problem here is that my rating is broken because if if it's a te- if it's like a rating for what this movie is trying to do, easy ten. 
Easy peasy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's a movie mm-hmm. for my personal ranking of movies that I love with all my heart, this movie is uh, is is now a ten because the more I talk about it, the less I I am like <laughs> there's anything keeping me from saying it. But like, if you would ask me like last night, would I put this movie up with like Annihilation is like a ten out of ten? This is a movie that changed my life. I might not have said so, but talking through it and specifically like putting words to the stuff that I really really loved. Um, specifically on the like metaphor like mm-hmm. level. I, I think that it it clicked because that's something that happened with Annihilation too. It was like the stuff about self like self-destruction and um all of that. I was like, oh shit. This movie like really means something to me. And so uh mm. yeah. Uh this movie's a ten out of ten. Let's read Noah's notes. Yeah. <laughs> Noah's notes say <laughs> me when I just decide to eat my friend's finger. This is this is not a joke from Noah. This man will bite any part of of the human body that is not covered by cloth. Um, and covered by cloth. And sometimes it is also covered by oh, cloth. No. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I, I would like to, before Nina gets to these notes and decides to roast me, I'll get myself, okay? Um, <laughs> at the beginning, my second note is, what's the what the hell is with the big VA? Are we in Virginia? Because there are watermark-looking yeah. location tags throughout this yep. movie to the point where I thought, holy shit. Did YouTube accidentally upload a fucking bootleg version of Amazon, this movie? Amazon, and that does oh, happen Amazon. on Amazon. Yeah, and People it does happen do on Amazon. So I was Amazon. worried that this was a bootleg version of the movie or something like that because it looked like, in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, is this like an anti-piracy watermark? But no, it's just <laughs> a lot of very artistic location tags now so Nina funny. cannot legally mention that. I, uh, I will not mention like them. Four times. I, 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 <laughs> I used say... the location tags to organize my notes. That's, oh, that's so I would so always smart. know what part of the movie the... they were written in. Yeah, I have, oh, oh, Ohio, let's go. And then immediately, oh, and Ohio is gone. That's God, cool, I love I the guess. Ohio segment. Back back. <laughs> I love it because it's just like parking lot, pavement, a tree. We're gone now. We're in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love. Another very Italian uh, giallo adjacent maneuver. Just a touch, yeah. Just a little bit, a little bit. Okay, I'm gonna skip over Noah saying that he thinks Sully is really cool and he trusts him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but let, I will tell you now, I am not. That is not a joke or sarcasm. There are uh, one, Multiple two, notes. three, oh, three notes. Yeah, there's. Oh yeah, no, there's another one. Uh huh. There's a few. There's a few. Noah was was totally taken in by Sully's thing, which is great. My my Um, notes about Sully are all about like how I love the way his creepiness is played, like just stuff that he says, like. Like when he says, um, the you know, like Marin has found the like dying woman upstairs in the house. And Sully says, like, I don't kill people, or at least I try not to. So that just leaves this. And the way he delivers that line is, like, so perfect. The way he delivers all his lines mm-hmm. is kind of perfect. But, like, God, I just love God, that. God, I love that. It's so good. Noah says, um, Noah says, Tim Dune has landed. Then shortly after, Noah says, his torso is so long, question mark, which is so true of Timothy Chalamet. A little bit, yeah. He has a very... A very lanky body style. And this is one of those things where a lot of um, people expect women to find conventionally attractive men to be like the movie star hot type when really a lot of the time it's like 
if their bodies are like interesting that's kind of what what gets you it's like there's there's some if something like hooks you if you like notice something about them and i think long torso is definitely one of those things timothy chalamet also having really sharp cheekbones and just having just like a really interesting face to look at Mm. as well as like taking these roles um that are more like emotional honestly Um, the way his shoulders sit made me not even notice the length of his torso honestly uh yeah, no, that as well is very he's he slouches a lot mm, as yeah. well. His his that does a lot. His body a lot. is a very is very curvy. Um his body is a wonderland. You might say it is. That. Uh let's stop talking about how hot Timothy Chalamet is. Yeah, we'll get back to that. <laughs> uh sure. Noah says Noah says Tim Dune playing Lee the People Eater, and then a few <laughs> notes later, Tim Dune kisses strongest warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. Noah says the rude guy is the most aggressively single man ever. Like that's porn porn on the walls, not just a few boob shots or yeah. anything. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um Noah says, Oh my god, is she in a waterbed? I love the shot later on when we're going through all their like happy moments and shit. And it confirms and that it it, they con- were yeah. just like, Oh my god, it's a waterbed. They're so cute. I love them. Okay, I would also do that. But then that scene, this is before I love this. This is before Lee has described the way that the particular manner in which he killed his dad. When we see that scene, it's in a dream that Lee is having. And the sound that's playing over all of those clips is the sound of a man with his mouth duct taped over struggling and freaking out. We don't know yet, but that's the sound of Lee's dad about to die. Isn't that fucked up? That's so fucked up, That's Lee, wild. my sweet boy. Right. Oh no. Um no one says <laughs> Enter Jake and Brad, the gruesome twosome. <laughs> uh <laughs> I gotta read all of these. Noah says, I wonder if Marin is regretting the desire to hear more people eating stories because she does. Doesn't fucking Lee say, like, no, don't fucking get them going? And Marin's like, no, I wanna hear. <laughs> no. no, I don't think so. That's the vibes that I it got. It is from the vibe. That. A little bit. Because she's constantly asking Lee, so what was your first people eating like? Yeah. And he's like, I don't wanna talk about it. It was um, a babysitter. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. OMG, me too, twirling her yep. hair. Yeah, exactly. No, it feels like that's the vibes again here. It's like she's like interested and he's like, oh my God, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, Noah says, no, no, she's right to be grossed out. Fuck Brad and his weird ass just being a yeah, cannibal the, okay. and also fuck Jake yeah. for just being weird. The note that I took at that point was, wait, he's just a regular cannibal? What the hell? <laughs> what a weirdo. Me watching the, me watching the eaters. Aw, these poor people. They're very justified. Yeah, like, well, me watching justified, Jake like, the well, Norton. The thing, Brad I think, the cannibal. I'm like, like Ew, what the, hell, what the fuck is wrong with I him? I think so. So the re- the same reason that Doctor Sleep reads more as a fantasy than a horror compared to The Shining, mm. um, I think is probably the same reason, Jeff, that you could do cannibalism in this movie and not in Fresh, because this is very deliberately drawn a line between eaters and normal people. Yeah. Uh, the same way that the true knot is kind of this weird, well-defined like thing. The e- the eaters have like rules to how their quote unquote like subspecies works. Yeah. So they it have turns a them into kind of a 
Right. So it, it kind of takes away that like unknown element and starts to make them more of like it's like the whole like uh, X-Men powers versus right. like yeah. horror people. These guys have the their same like thing. super sense of smell. And along with that comes an unquenchable desire to eat human flesh. You know. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think that probably I think I do think that probably is the reason why it was more doable so, yeah. than that um, sounds right. Steve, the normal ass man. I think honestly, um, I think one of the bigger parts of Fresh that really freaked me out was the idea of a person's meat being sold while they were still alive. It's just uh-huh. so mind bogglingly gross. And up until Lee, mm-hmm. nobody is eaten while they're exactly. alive. And it's super duper consensual by the time that we get yeah. there. Um, so yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of differences, despite the gore being just so much more in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Noah says, damn, a whole scene devoted to jerking it. <laughs> yep. yeah. Hell um, yeah, brother. <laughs> Noah says, and I'm going to disagree with the end of this one. Noah says, I love how much of a gremlin Lee is just driving down the road, fucking covered in blood, no thoughts in his head at all. No, there are so many thoughts He's got in so his many head. Thoughts. <laughs> He's got just so many thoughts. It's in just his that head none of times. them are, what if someone sees me? No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which is something that I think is really interesting as well, because um, because like it's not I don't care if anyone sees me because I would simply just overpower them because I'm an overpowerable person or like like an overpowering person. Mm. These are like functionally, physically normal fucking yep. people. Um, but they do. I think there's just such a again, like desperation to this lifestyle where at some point, yeah, if people catch me, they catch me. It's going to happen eventually because this is a fucking dangerous-ass lifestyle to keep living. So at this point, like, if I go to the trouble, I might get caught. If I don't get to the, go to the trouble, I might mm. get caught. We're just going to, like, if things yeah. seem mostly fine, we're just going to yeah, go. Yeah, I just have to leave the um, area as quickly as I can and... Exactly. Noah says, uh, Minnesota accent grandma. We have not talked about the grandma. That's the girl from Suspiria, right? Yeah, that's Jessica Harper, who plays the main character in Suspiria. Yeah. Also, she name drops a town that I've actually been to, which was weird for me. That's weird. Yeah, Mankato. My old band played a show there back when, uh, you know, the, the, I I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast yet. I, I, listeners. I played lead guitar in a Christian rock band for three and a half years. Anyways, so uh, we <laughs> play, and we played a show in Mankato, Minnesota one time. Anyways, moving on. Did you praise the Lord? Uh, we did, as a matter of fact. Oh, nice. <laughs> Noah <Hell> says. Yeah. <laughs> Noah says Sully's back. Hell yeah. Um, no, this was not a. Um, I am happy that Sully's. He- uh, this was me being happy Sully was back in the movie. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. not such thinking a cool he was character. going to do anything yeah. good. Uh, Noah says. Poor Lee. He's. I'm reading these out in sequence again. Poor Lee. He's miserable. Then called it. He killed his dad to death. Then, or maybe he didn't kill his dad. Maybe his dad had a moment of realization after trying to kill and eat his own kid. Nope. Then, lol. Nah. He killed that dude. Yeah, this is. This is. Yeah. Th- this is one of the things that the movie does such a great job of telling you before it tells you, because like there's there's just the the million little hints. And by the time he says it, you're like, yeah, I knew. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you never just like how um, I've never... the the first guy that we see Lee uh, eat, the guy from the store that he just like lures into that abandoned building or whatever that is. Just mm-hmm, as they're mm-hmm. on the way out of the store, he grabs the dude's hat off his head and runs. And we hear the guy say, give me back my hat. 
And then he walks back out of the building after eating him and he's wearing the guy's hat. And it's like, well, yeah, God, we don't. He's such a little we didn't shit. need to see the scene where he uses the fact that he stole his hat to lure him into the building before killing him so that nobody sees him because we saw him steal the hat and we know the dead dude is in the building. We can connect all the dots. Yeah, we're not also, yeah, like, I love Also, that. I love how he, he chose to de-escalate the situation by making himself a target. 10 out of 10. He, he didn't de-escalate <laughs> the like, situation at all. He escalated the situation. <laughs> yeah, he was like, aimed it he was like, he was like, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. The guy's like, you won't get me out of here. And then he's like, okay, then fight me. He's like, yeah, let's take this outside. And it's like, man, you just that's like, it. you got that flip like, I'm just, so I'm just going to start a fight and that's it. And I'm going to get this moron to chase me by stealing <laughs> like his hat. That. And it's that easy. He's like, Lee is literally like that. Wh whose line is it anyway? Clip that's like easiest ways to start a fight. <laughs> you guys want to start a fight? Yeah, that's him. <laughs> and then I love the way that he wears that hat for the rest of the movie. <laughs> I love him so much. Uh, Noah says, uh, "What a wild four month typhoon of romance between these two." Yeah, this movie keeps drawing attention to the fact that it doesn't happen over much. Yeah. We don't know how long they were together in the like town because we know that he reconnected with Kayla um and like was talking about being in like the fucking bookstore like Marin working at the bookstore and everything um but we don't know exactly how long they were in that bookstore or, like college town area um i choose to believe it was for as long as possible um <laughs> Noah it's says probably years. Probably, yeah. yeah, years even. I turned to Noah and I said, "This is going to be another fucking Bly Manor, isn't it?" Uh, I mean, maybe. Uh, maybe a little bit. Yes. Maybe, maybe a maybe little just bit. A love so as a tree. Noah says, <laughs> and I'm going to round it out with this because it comes back to what we were saying earlier. Noah says, "Where'd you hear that eating somebody bones and all was a beautiful thing, Lee? The weird ass hillbilly <laughs> and his cop husband? I don't know, man." <laughs> <laughs> uh, true true oh such a good note to end on it is Holy so shit. fucking good so i love in that scene the way that like when the idea is suggested Marin is just like what no that's impossible that's stupid <laughs> like yeah <laughs> she's so real yeah. for that love you man how the love hell you, do you eat the bones i don't do you crush them first this seems like a lot of trouble I don't want to eat Incredible. a person's teeth. That sounds awful. Eating <laughs> teeth sounds like incredible. Bones and no, 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 no. no, shut the fuck talking. up, Jeff. Anyway, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. <laughs> uh, what are we watching next time? I don't oh, think we fuck. discussed. What are we watching next time? <laughs> I yeah. really, we can discuss this and we don't have to do this. I really, really want to watch Annihilation soon. Oh, uh, I'm actually very ooh. done with that too. Or or also we could do Color Out of Space and do those like back to back maybe. We did say we wanted to do those back to back. We did say we wanted to do those like three years ago. And Color Out of Space yeah. is, say that we Color to do out of Space is on Shutter. Back to back. Okay. Yeah, we did say we wanted to do those like together. Yeah. yeah. So let's do, we want to do those. That's the plan. Okay. Which which one do we want to do first? Uh, where's Annihilation streaming? Because Color Out of Space is I on have, Shutter. I have we right have now. it. It's on Paramount Plus. <laughs> oh no, not yeah, Paramount. On Paramount Plus. The, the thing we the all thing have. The thing we all have, of course. I have Paramount totally... Plus. I can I can yeah, give you Emma all my account. Oh, no, 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 you, you will can't. not. <laughs> we will pay legally for all of God, our own Paramount Plus accounts. You're all so bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jeff, edit up the show. We have access yeah. to Annihilation. And we have so access to Plus, Colorado yes, Space. Because we all have it, let's, as we know. Let's start with... 
Also, let's start with annihilation. Um, I would I'm like, making the call. Okay. Um, I we'll start with annihilation. I want to make a quick addendum to something I said three years ago. Oh. Um, I think I implied that um, the series which annihilation or not implied. I said the series which annihilation is based off of uh, was written by a woman. I don't think that's true. I'm going to do a little more research before we actually talk about it. But last I checked, it is totally written by a dude. My fucking bad. Um, But I'm three years older now and three years smarter. (laughs) And wiser. (laughs) So I just wanted to make that correction. But Annihilation is still my favorite movie. So, well, one of the movies that I cite as being my favorite movie. So I'm excited. We'll talk about that. I'm excited about that. I'm excited to do Color Out of Space after that as well. That's very cool. Me too. I'm so excited yeah. to watch that because we talked about that after we watched Renfield and yeah. I am glad to have an excuse to mandate that I watch it. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, actually, this is important. Oh. Uh, about this movie. What, one of the things I wanted to do during the crit, uh, the, the, the critic thing and I forgot, uh, the budget of this movie was about $16 oh, yeah. million, and its gross worldwide was $15 million. This movie yeah. unfortunately oh, lost money. It's terribly in theaters. But hey, Very I, sad. I rented it on YouTube, so you're welcome. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah finally some of that back. So, I, I do well, think this of. is one of those movies that they like weren't really expecting to make money on. That's I saw something recently about how Leica movies only exist because the person who um, runs the studio right now is a nepotism baby from Nike, oh. like the shoe company. Yeah, oh. <laughs> um, yeah so, I saw that. And they just love um, stop motion and, animation? Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's those. That's why those movies keep getting made because it's not a profitable studio. It is literally a like passion project. And I was just thinking about how important it is that like, that kind of stuff exists yeah. where like art art is like if you're gonna use your money yeah, like take notes so much money that you shouldn't babies. have this is how you do it <laughs> um yeah you should be sponsoring something that is artistically like has a lot of merit and i feel that way about this movie 100%. too it's like yeah maybe it, it bombed but i'm so glad it exists yeah so mm. yeah uh, staring at Jason Blum, you could do better though. <laughs> uh, yeah, get his ass. Yeah, he's still mostly okay with me though. <laughs> Love you, Jason. Anyway, <laughs> uh, if you want to find me on stuff, I'm Noah uh, at Bubba the Bad B U B B A D A B A D. Uh, and uh-huh. if Jason Blum is listening, <laughs> hi, Jason. hi Jason. That's not me. Hi, Jason. I don't know. Who we said do that. have a script that uh, we might want to sell you. I'm sure we can come up with one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll write one. <laughs> um, I'm Nina. You can find me at Nina Wolverina on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I write a book. I wrote a book. I'm writing another one, and I do have a horror book on deck. Hell yeah. Uh, <gasps> yeah. Who knows when that'll come out, 2026, 2027, sure. but it is fully plotted and might happen at any moment now. So right. keep an eye out I'm for excited. that one. Um, yeah. Other than that, uh, I do art. So you'll find me doing art there. Nice, nice, nice. I'm Emma, also known as Emma Panada. You can find me on Twitch and Twitter at Emma Panada. I'm also writing a TTRPG called All the Witches. You can find information about that at All the Witches underscore. I'm Jeff. You can find me on Twitter at Bubba Wubba Dab. I think I did something wrong there. Never mind. Um, and you can also find me on uh, Letterboxd at The Fakest Fan and Tumblr at What Is It You Pray For? Hell yeah. I pray for world peace. Also, you can find the podcast on Tumblr. Did we mention that? Oh, right. The podcast on Tumblr and uh, on Twitter as well, right? 
and yeah. on Twitter. Uh, follow it on Tumblr because I'm about to go on a spree. I have a bunch of stuff that I have saved in Ooh. my uh, casual obsession horror tag that I need to share. All so, right. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. All right. Well, all right. thank you all so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. We hope you have a great week and we will see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>